Just before I hit play on this fortnight's episode, I've got to tell you about something exciting. Mark Saturday the 20th of May 2023 in your calendar, because it's a special live event and you're going to want to be in York to attend it. How do they do that? Why do they do that? What do they do it with? Why didn't they notice and comment upon this obscure little half detail in an issue they don't even remember anymore? Just some of the many questions you constantly ask us. Well now you've got a unique chance to put these questions to the Humes themselves, face to face and in the flesh, because STCTP's hosts Dave and Chris will both be guests at Sonic the Comic Con 2023 for STC's 30th anniversary this year we'll be doing some sort of live show and we'll be hanging out and chatting to everybody in the moments between that show and the first chance to slip away and lie down somewhere but that's not all some of STC's star players, including Nigel Kitching, Richard Elson, Lou Stringer, Carl Flint, and Ferran Rodriguez, who've never appeared at one convention altogether at the same time before, will be there as well! This is real! I'm not making this up! You can come to this! It's happening at the York Railway Institute Sports Hall. That's a lot of words, but it's just a venue for this sort of thing. Don't worry! There will be no sports! Now, there is one snag. It's happening and everyone's agreed and is excited, but it does rely on its Kickstarter working. Well, that Kickstarter has just launched hours before this episode dropped. So if you want this to happen, it's time to make it happen, boomers. The address is kickstarter.com slash project slash STIV2K slash STCCON2023. Uh, I'm, uh, reading out a URL is a bad idea. I will try and remember to put that in the notes on the website and on our Twitter. And if I forget, then tell me. But also, if you just go to at SonicTheComicUK on Twitter, I bet you'll find it there. All right? All right. May the 20th. See you there. And now, on with the episode. Hey, boomers, it's that time again. Welcome once more to your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of what it was like back in the good old 1990s through the medium of the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We, as ever, are your humans who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. And my name is Dave Bulmer, and we've got your worst nightmare this episode. Hello. Yeah. I'm naked at school. Steady, carry on. Do you know, I get that one, but it doesn't bother me. I'm like, eh. That sounds about you just drifted around the halls of your school as ever. Naked, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so this is issue number 98 of Sonic the Comic, uh, released on the 19th of February, but cover dated March the 4th. Uh, in which Doomsday continues for Sonic and Chaotix, and the oh. other... Well, yeah, we've got a lovely cover here. It's a f it's an Elson. <laughs> Two Richard Elson covers in a row. Yep, 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 yep. And it's... And, and they have to do the with the content of in the, the comic. comic. <laughs> yes. It shouldn't be so rare that it makes us excited, and yet... <laughs> yeah. So this is a picture of we are standing behind Lightmare, spreading arms wide... Unleashing Nightmares, which is illustrated as a load of yellow smoke clouds billowing out all around the, and basically becoming the entire foreground and background of the rest of the page, in in the middle of which is Sonic and the Chaotix, you know, just being ready for something bad to happen to them. Just being there. Oh, except no Charmy. Yeah, except no Charmy. Lightmare, if you don't remember, is one of Lord <laughs> Sidewinder's gang. I haven't seen her for a while. So. No. Plus, Knuckles and Decapitac. And a new Sonic's World story called Solidarity. Ooh. And Flasher Badnik's pinup. I'm 100% sure that every time there's been a Badnik's pinup, 
they've said name of badnik badnik <laughs> pinup but it just feels i think we said last it feels very white rangery yes <laughs> plus also a fab gear graphic zone mm. <laughs> What did we that was a very mm. sarcastic sort of mm. but it was the kind of reaction I feel like I would have had as a child too. A Fab Gear graphic zone. Fab Gear meant nothing to me as a kid. Adidas, mm. Reebok, no. No, and also the dual meaning here is that Fab and Gear were both words meant to mean cool. And I own and Fab I knew. I only found out that Gear meant like cool doing this podcast. And that's why it's called a game gear. And that's what it, it, people no. used to say things. Gear, yeah, it's a no. Word. I mean, I know the idea that gear was yeah. once before our time. Yeah, I really must say that was not something we, fab. Sure, yeah, that yeah. was still around because no you were still watching Scooby Doo repeats and things. You've heard people say fab. Well, not even then, you know. You, Sonic, listen, I'm a hundred percent sure mm. Sonic the Comic has used the adjective fabby yep. to describe things yep. many times. Yeah, people were fabaroonying still within in that yeah, time. Yeah, that was still a thing. Because it know, just means fab. It's just short there. for fabulous. Yeah, that's all. You know, Normal. And obviously fab, but well, I guess it at least goes back to the 60s. Fab at least. Beatles. Yeah. You know, yeah. But gear, the only reason I... Now, I knew gear was a term for that right. before this podcast, and I thought you were going to say for the same reason, yeah. that time Ringo Starr said it on The Simpsons. Oh. That was the only indication <laughs> oh. I ever experienced that. And that's. Is that why the Game Gear? No. Surely that's not why the Game Gear is called the Game Gear. It can't be. It can't nah. be. The Japanese wouldn't Japanese, have Japanese, no. They wouldn't have, no, 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 they no. wouldn't have known that. Yeah, you're right. God, you got me, got me really worried there yeah. for a minute. Oh. Because it's just. It's Unduly like, so, but really yeah. worried. But then, but then again, why would the Japanese. Because we're saying. It's gear. It's a piece of kit. Because it's, it's a piece gear. of kit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not saying that, are they, in Japan? They're not saying, here's a bit of gear. Sure they are. No, it's, a, it's an English loan word, therefore it's instantly cool in Japanese. I'm not even being funny. But do they, when they say gear, did they mean piece of kit? Or do they mean, like, cogs, machinery? Do you know what I mean? There's, 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 well, either way, it's, you know, derived from the same yeah. thing. You know, when I say, you know, oh, I've got all my podcasting gear set up. Yeah. Which I don't say, but I could say it and you'd understand what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't even stand out. It'd be like yeah. it'd be like a comic in nineteen ninety three saying compo. It wouldn't even stand out. And uh, that just means my stuff. Yeah. But anyway. anyway, this but this comic did like lean into saying gear because it's all edited by old people. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Shall we head inside? Yes, let's Control Zone. It's Nothing. Nothing. Hey, <laughs> and it admits it. Yes, that's why I said it. <laughs> Megadroid himself says, "You'll be glad to learn I'm keeping my voice box on hold this issue because I want to lift the lid on what's happening in STC 100." Ooh. Then he spends a couple of lines listing off the contents of the issue and says, "And then look below. It's a small welcome screen box, mm-hmm. and down below that is uh, not much either." It's no. simply a large computer-generated 100. Yeah. That's what's taking up all the space in the control zone. Yeah. And it's like they've generated it by taking a very pixely old font, rounding off the edges and, you know, 3Ding it, because it's very... It's an odd way of writing a zero. Yes. It's almost like two pluses, isn't it? <laughs> but, all this aside... Yes. Issue 100! It, issue it's, 100. One should have more excitement, but one is just a little distracted by what surrounds... <laughs> surrounds it here yes i'm also oh and i've just noticed it's the font that they've written stc century prepared prepared. to party for issue 100 yeah so Mm. that is that is what they've done they have taken a font they've already got and they've converted it into 3d um is yours printed better than mine i can barely read the text under the 100 oh show me state of this 
Oh, yeah, no, it seems to be. You can see mine oh, there. Jammy bastard. This is not the first time this has happened, you know. I think my, my local area had a dodgy printing... Uh, they must have had local printers or something. Yeah, yeah, that's how it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Printing goes wrong as it crosses the Leicestershire barrier. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, the barrier we've got. What it says is, SDC is soon to be 100 issues old, mm. which is more than enough reason to celebrate with an action-packed issue with a difference. Be sure to check out issue 99 in two weeks' time for further details on the biggest Sonic event in STC history. And it might be right. I don't know. Is it bigger than the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation? You're tempted, aren't you, to say it's bigger than that? But if you think about what happens in it, it might be right. It's true. It might be. It might be right. You just wait, listeners. In a couple of episodes' time, we've got a big one for you. We can say no more. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know what's coming anyway because we keep talking about it. But (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm artfully snipping so that we don't be too specific. (laughs) All right. But yeah, we do though. There's there's no avoiding it. They've probably worked it out. But yeah, wait and see. Wait and see. We've said it several times now, but we're very much on the march towards it with everything else that's going on in the comic yeah. as well. Hence the run of quality that we're getting at the moment. The not a lot in the charts. FIFA 97 and Sonic 3D holding fast at the top of the Mega mm-hmm. Drive charts. Micro Machines Military in at number 8. Yes, I didn't like the sound of that, Micro Machines Military, but it turns out to be just as cute as before, but you can just shoot now? You can shoot the other cars now. Uh, Maybe you could do that in the old ones, I don't remember, but presumably it's lots of fun. I do object to some- I had a little look, I object to some of the track themes a bit, because while there is a picnic blanket stage and a breakfast table stage, there's also a farm stage and a forest stage that muddy the waters of the theming a little bit. Um, Small? Mmm. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got, you've got like, there they are riding across, you know, a giant knife. And then they ride past what appears to be a fairly normal-sized tree trunk. You know, like, no, wrong. They're meant no, to be little. No good. Uh, the Game Gear's got a new release. Oh, yeah. There's a game called Man Overboard. Oh, This wow, is a port of an Amiga game. Yeah. <laughs> I've realised this artificially lengthened snapshot of a particular time in gaming history. It's got something in common with this podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> we're not only revisiting this time, but we're freezing it. Because, of course, these recordings are now static. They can be reaccessed whenever the listener likes. And also, I like that in this eternally frozen Game Gear chart, because I think we've established, I think we've decided they've stopped. There are no Game Gear charts now, and STC are committed to mm. printing them because they haven't got anything else, so they're just hoping we don't notice. So it's nice that Dizzy and Cosmic Space Editor is there. <laughs> Street Fighter Alpha 2 and Virtual On added to the Saturn Ooh. chart this fortnight. Ooh. What is Virtual On? Did we look that one up? I should have, but I didn't. Did I didn't glance at the Saturn. Because I so don't have anything to say or think about the Sega Saturn. I know, that I, I didn't know. even it's look. Thing. But it, I've always objected to the name Virtual On. It annoys me. Well, I can... Unless, unless there is one way I will accept it. And that is if it was the first venture into virtual reality by Tony Hart, having done Vision On. He then does Virtual On. I'd be happy if that was what it was. Would you accept it being the fact that it's a Japanese game title and therefore it just uses English words to sound cool? A load of old anime, is it? No, it's not the thing that you have to play in Yakuza, is it? Where you're like, it's like a, an anime mech game where you're flying around and shooting in the city. In Yakuza, you go into like a Sega... Yes, it is! You go into a Sega arcade and you have to play... One of these games, and I think it's this one. Yakuza Kiwami 2. Yep. 
Yep, yep, virtual on cyber troopers, yeah. Virtual on, uh, or virtual on cyber troopers, to give it its full name, was an arcade game from Sega, 3D shooting and fighting game featuring robots, to quote directly from Wikipedia, which was later ported over to the Sega Saturn. In both America and Japan, no mention of Europe there, Wikipedia, you've failed, because obviously it was out here too. (laughs) Initially, the game was to be released under the title Virtual On in Japan and Cyber Troopers in North America, but the names were combined into a single title for both releases. Right. Virtual On. And of course, it's called Virtual On, because that's a nonsense phrase, but it's English, therefore it sounds cool in Japan. Yeah. Deno Senki Bacharon. And that was a Japanese phrase, so it sounds cool. <laughs> it works the other way. <laughs> Sonic. Doomsday, part two. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, colours by Steve White, and letters by Tom Frame. The Omniviewer explains that the second sun that has appeared over planet Meridian is the Black Asteroid superheated from within by Supersonic as he builds up the power needed to blast his way free. Suddenly, Lightmare appears, leading to a brief battle with the Chaotix until the villain can explain she hasn't come to fight. She's come to warn the heroes that Lord Sidewinder is about to take off for the asteroid to complete his plan to control Supersonic. Our heroes make plans to deal with this looming doomsday, but Lightmare admits she cannot join them against Sidewinder she is Sidewinder's daughter. <gasps> a bout of explosive amnesia. <laughs> Bit of soap opera. Don't know if it comes yeah. to anything. That's what I mean. That's the one. I mean, so first, like, all right. So Lightmare's kind of the big talking point about this issue of, of Sonic. Yeah. Aside from filling in the backstory. Obviously, we both remembered this before yes. ever meeting Lightmare, because it's the one sort of memorable thing about the character. What yes. I don't remember is if it comes to anything. Right, yeah. She says she can't... Uh, what, are, what is her exact quote? I can never desert him. Espio asks, mm-hmm. why don't you just leave Sidewinder's gang? Uh, Lightmare says she thinks that Sidewinder's gone insane, and his attempts to control Supersonic are only going to get him and his gang killed. But she won't desert him because she's his daughter. And I don't yeah. know if it comes to anything, so I'll be at least vaguely interested to see that. Yes. I did notice that when Lightmare unleashes nightmares on the, on the gang, Charmy says Lightmare's used his yes. box of nightmares on Sonic. Yes, uh, listeners, I don't know, I can't remember now what we edited it down to, but there was a, a bit of confusion whether or not it was meant to be a surprise that Lightmare is female, as well mm. as just Sidewinder's daughter. Because I'm sure in the finished episodes that have been coming out, we've been referring to Lightmare with female pronouns. I think so. Um, there was, I think at first I tried to edit round it, just in case, because we couldn't really remember, but mm. then, it, it, you know, that can only last for so long, so I bet. Yeah. But yes, my memory of it was that it was a surprise that Lightmare is a girl, but not for you. Yours was that you knew that already because of something on the design, but the daughter aspect was the surprise, right? Yeah, well, to me, the idea was always, even just reading it now, the very idea Mm -hmm. that it's his daughter is the reveal. I mean, the the character, as far as we've observed, has never been referred to with male pronouns before. No, I don't think so, no. So, yeah. So yeah, it's hard to separate the fact that I already knew that from from any observation of the character. But but to me, it would have been a surprise that she was a girl if the character had been consistently referred to with male pronouns up till now. Mm. Yes, that's interesting, isn't it? But, that it's, but they haven't been. No, it, so. it's it's only in this issue that it's brought in. Well, maybe that 
Maybe maybe it was supposed to be a reveal, and Nigel realised that and went, oh, <laughs> I'd better put it in. Slip a pro in, in, yeah. in yeah. <laughs> But the character's always had that kind of Eastern mystic yeah. regalia. They have men in the East. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I was going to say it feels like it suggests femininity, but then it's impossible to... I don't know, because I always knew, so... I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't really yeah. say. Well, I'll tell you what. If you go on uh, page three, kudos on the chunky legs on this lady. Look at that. Yes! She does not skip leg day. No. She does not have the legs of a Sonic character. No. <laughs> no. She has the legs that could snap a Sonic character. Like an overripe melon. <laughs> page two. Mm. I love the clear delineation between... Knackered Omni with his sagging frame, and then Omni in the flashback with rigid straight lines. That's cool, isn't it? He's all woobly. Because this is the page where Omni explains what's happened, and we get a page of flashback, and we see Supersonic, like, you know, that reaching out towards the the frame. uh, Coloured red, interestingly. Mm, Differently coloured for the flashback, basically. Yes, I I think it's just mood lighting, but it always... It never looked like, oh, they got that wrong. It always Mm. looked like, oh, that's interesting. And I wasn't sure if it was just mood lighting or, like, no, he's going red. He's seething. He's about to unleash something. Oh, well, um, sometimes, you know, a flashback will just be coloured in a slightly yeah. monochromatic uh, or, or two-colour hue in, in a comic just to communicate that it's a flashback or, you know, set differently. Yes, yes. And reds and blues are the colours that they've they've used here, you know, and shades thereof, even with the external shot of the black asteroid. Oh, yes, you're right then. Isn't it interesting that we don't really find out how supersonic overcame the slowed time thing or did i miss something no that's i was gonna see if you you know have hmm. that yeah uh so to quote omniviewer i hope to trap supersonic forever by stopping him it was too much yeah, i did manage to slow time to a crawl it would have taken him years to escape i don't know how but uh. supersonic worked out what was going on he wanted revenge and had no intention of waiting he must have realized he was trapped inside the black asteroid he's turned himself into an electron bomb he's building up enough power to produce a massive explosion yeah, so there's no there's there's a point of data missing. Mm. One must conclude that he started building up the energy yeah. while inside the Omniviewer. So Omni, if you become an electron bomb, that's something the Omniviewer can't contain, and he spat him out. Omni was forced to spit him out exactly, and then leave it. But he's and he's still trapped within the black asteroid. But it is, it, it does feel like there's a a fraction mm. of information missing there. Given that that was the whole cliffhanger and the whole plot and the whole thing about Supersonic was that he was in this nearly impossible to escape situation, it is odd to hear. Well, he escaped. Yeah, just it just sort of yeah yeah. Mm. I just uh, I just give up and spat a moot. Yeah. Um. But all right, that's still we'll keep reading. Maybe there'll be more about that later. It's it's. I don't expect there will be. It's fine. It just does feel like there's like maybe an extra panel mm. of Omni spatuing him out. <laughs> Feels like it's missing there, you know. Doing a big patooey. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be like cud- uh, Omnivira as Cuddly the Cowlick? Just, just spitting <laughs> supersonic out of you. And that's what they have to do every time. Whenever the chaotics come out, there's a big patooey. Yeah. His lips go out like that. Omni goes, what? And they all jump in through the mouth yeah. <laughs> into the into the fish tank on the other side of whatever the Omnivira leads into. <laughs> Oh, speaking of, uh, on page three, the the back of the Omniviewer. We don't see that very often, and it's absolutely I feel like covered we've in seen stuff. It once or twice I think we've seen before. it, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it feels really like rammed full of circuits and bits and bobs this time. Look at that. It's also he's got a little screen. He's got a little screen there on the back of the screen. I think that just says what his battery level is, don't you? Yeah, that's uh, the uh, high score readout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can you can raise chow on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by oh, very interesting drawing of Sonic. 
on this page, page three, feels mm, like, it, like it. It's odd, isn't it? So there's this one picture of Sonic that, to me, feels like it harkens forwards to when they're going to be forced to fuss with his design, right? Yes, it really does. But it's a little too early for that. Oh, yeah. They won't have made him do it yet, well, as you can tell from the rest of it. So what it is, is Elson's showing him from a new angle that changes the way his spines are drawn. Mm. Well, not a new angle. Like In fact, it's more or less the same angle as in the previous panel. So he's drawn him like this before, but he's choosing to do the spines a new way. I wonder if... He's seen the, you know, the Sonic CD intro and is just sort of getting interested in ways to draw this. Maybe, but... Well, so to describe it for the folks at home, it's, yeah. it's difficult to describe. Mm, yeah. I think its use here might be intended to communicate the whip of Sonic's body as he oh, swings right. his arm and swings yes, his right. arm wide and he turns his head and everything moves with him. Um, because what he's doing here is saying he's just had this call from Porker Lewis. Now the Omniviewer can take him back home. And Vector's like, uh, excuse me, Supersonic? And he's like, nope, sorry, mate. I am um, go back to Mobius. That is my top priority. F the special zone. Uh, but Omni's too weak to teleport him anyway. He's only enough power left to keep himself online. Mm. But the way Elson has drawn Sonic here is that the main central top of the head spike is where it's always supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But instead of two spikes curving downwards attached to the back of his head. Well, they curve upwards like supersonic. Or, I suppose, like Amy Rose, in a way. Um, sort of, but not really. Mm. You know, because it's like Amy kind of has a head and then the spikes are all on the back of it in, yeah. a, in a quiff. Whereas we can also see the other two spines on the far That's side the of Sonic's head. That's the key thing. Which we, Thinner yes. spines that are doing that thing that, you know, now we have this in the Sonic lexicon. If he looks in certain directions, you'll get a thinner spine there at the top and a thinner spine at the bottom to show that he, they go off in different directions. But you never got this in these days. It really is a new direction. And regrettably, mm. we'll be seeing an awful lot more of it in the future. Mm. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to contain my disgust issue on it. <laughs> I'm really worried, Div. <laughs> anyway, that's for the future. Not that far in the future, but it's the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarily close, frankly. <laughs> As if it's going to ruin our lives. It ruined mine once already. <laughs> anyway, uh, so fight. Yes, Lightmare turns up and they have their fight using the Lightmare box against them. Makes Sonic think he's blind. Makes Mighty think he's trapped in a cage. Yes, now... Am I right in thinking that this is slightly different, whereas, like, before, Lightmare would just sort of open the box and everyone would go, ah, ah, and clutch their heads and maybe you'd find out what their dream is? Whereas in this case, she's going like, you dream you're trapped in a box. You dream that you're naked at school. to control it, yeah. Does it to Sonic, does it to Mighty, and then goes, Charmy B, you're not worth bothering with. Where's Espio? (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Charmy just goes, hmm. (laughs) I love that. Where's Espio as well? And then what Espio does is simply uses their chameleon powers of invisibility, though it's not clearly depicted in the art in any way. Lightmare just says he does it. Yeah, because he is standing there the whole time. We can see him. Yeah. Presumably not supposed to be in colour or something like that. Uh, Oh, colour by someone else. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I forgot uh, Steve White coloured this, so maybe that was just supposed to be the outline of Espio in that panel, and then he should, the colour should be fading in. Fading in. He goes, looking for me? Mm. But anyway, I think I would have preferred it if Charmy had been the one to stop her, because... She underestimated him. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. For we all know, teams like the Fundamental Four can beat Chaotix if Charmy's not there. Yes. You know, he's a valued member of the team. Yeah. Because <laughs> they haven't got the funding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not all that go- What was all that stuff about bees making gold? Means <laughs> nothing comes to nothing. What was that all about? Oh, somebody has to make it. 
Turns out it's bees. No, that's not how gold works. <laughs> it is. Somebody, ha- just because we haven't found out who makes it on Earth. <laughs> oh, Probably it's bees. It's bees. Yeah. <laughs> that's where they've all gone to make yeah, some more gold. They're just determined to, like, throw the whole world economy out of balance. <laughs> you can't just make gold. That's the whole point of it. Huh? There's only a finite amount of it exists on the Earth that defines its value. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She's a pig. She's a piggy wiggy. She's a piggy wiggy, but she's also she's got a piggy wiggy nose. But also yeah. look at the bit where um, SPO clobbers her. She's got a tail. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and she's got sort of elf ears as well. So she's also she's things. whatever Lord Sidewinder is, but younger and hotter. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, oh yes, but, I suppose you're right. Actually, I never thought of that because she's his daughter. But you know, what's Lord Sidewinder? Well, and the, annoyingly, there's no picture of him this issue, so I'd have to go to yeah, my he's box. On the last page. Oh, is he? Is he? Oh, there was me thinking, because it's such a dramatic reveal, I was thinking it was the last page. I know, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a piggy-wiggy as well, have not He's got a piggy-wiggy nose. Oh. And he's got his shoelaces untied, look. Uh, no, those are his snakes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, maybe he uses little snakes for shoelaces. I think he's on the Velcro straps, honestly. <laughs> he's an old man. He goes around in his dressing gown. Yeah, well, he would, wouldn't you, if you if you if you had the confidence. Uh, well, that's no. I like mean, he, he is does. one of those. This guy's an old money supervillain, you know. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, just yeah. sits in his manse directing his goons. I don't yeah. think he's ever gone into the field before. He had to deal with Super Sonic before, but no. he does just go around in his lightly stained terry cloth bathrobe, <laughs> and that's his supervillain outfit. I'm surprised he doesn't use a snake for a belt. <laughs> he probably does. Oh, well, he, well, you see there when he's looking up at his rocket, it does look like the drawstring on his bathrobe ends in like the rattles of rattlesnakes. I think that's just snakes. They're just tied around his stick, aren't they? Uh, no, those ones are, but follow the ends of the strands from his belt. You see, he does have a belt. Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just got one snake wrapped around his That's his snakes, cane. isn't it? Yeah, he's got snakes for a belt. But then what's happening around the back? Has he got two snakes knotted together at the head? Can't wait to see what's happening around the back. (laughs) Turn it around, Lord Sidewinder. Or is it just some sort of, some specially bred snake with two arses and no head? (laughs) (laughs) That he he cooked up specifically to be the belt. Very specially bred, yeah. It's not beyond the realm of possibility for Lord Sidewinder. No. He's very committed to his theme. The least he could do. Which is... Something else entirely. Why is he not a snake? Hmm. Why does he have snakes as accessories? This is a comic about animal people. He could just be a snakeman. Yes, that's true. Um. Well, maybe he's a fan of snakes. You know, clearly. The, yeah, he's just a big <laughs> snake guy. I'm glad that the second son isn't just supersonic being up there being bright. I'm glad that it's that he's heated up the meteorite he's in. That's just that's cooler. I like that. Oh yes, much cooler. Yeah. And it's just him bearing down on the planet. Because yeah. it creates a more of a, a ticking clock, you know. Even though, I mean, there's fundamentally, it's no real difference. No. It was just supersonic zooming towards the planet. And he's like, oh, that's how bright he is. He's still a million miles away and he's going to yeah, get yeah. here in X minutes or whatever. But it, it, it's it's just a little bit more interesting. And it makes the black asteroid have some yes. flipping meaning. You yes. know? Unlike a lot of the other things we've run into in the special zone. <laughs> it gives it a bit of purpose. Yeah. It's the idea of him being in there, getting really cross. Oh. <laughs> Just, I don't. What's he? What's he doing in there? You know, that's the oh, question. That's, that's what he's doing. He's going. Oh. Omniviewer says he's building up power. <laughs> so one, presumably, yes, that must be what he's doing. Going, yeah. and you know, going super saiyan in there. And the chamber around it, yeah, the chamber around him is like turning red to white. 
and it's heating up. Yeah, going to go like Super Saiyan level four or whatever in there. Yeah, because um, he's already Super Saiyan, obviously. Yeah, he's blonde. That means he turns back to being blue again, doesn't it? Is that how it works in Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is what Sonic does. He turns back to being blue. No, no, I mean, uh, one of the higher Saiyan levels, Super Saiyan levels, is blue hair, isn't it? Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, I so it'll, just, it'll just look normal. All right. Yeah. Um, I stopped reading as soon as the Super Saiyan first appeared because I was like, there, thank f I've got there. Bang. <laughs> That's the point you can stop. This is when this just turns into a fight book. Yep. Um, no, but uh, that probably is what he's doing. But I, I seem to remember as a kid, and I still enjoy imagining even now, he's just running around like the bejesus oh, in there. Oh, cool, Just yeah. running around and around and around and around in, yeah. in, in that spherical room at the centre of the asteroid. Yeah. Getting angrier and angrier <laughs> as he goes. Crackling energy trail behind him. And even Mr. Fry is starting to get a little doubtful about what uh, Lord Sidewinder has planned. Mm. You reckon the governor knows what he's doing? The governor. Yeah, you slave. <laughs> and uh, Biohazard's like, yeah, all his plans sound crazy to me. <laughs> I wonder, we have to pay off this idea that he thinks he has some way to control Supersonic. Well, it looks like that's where we're heading, doesn't it? They're not throwing that idea aside. Yes, it seems mm. like there's something here, yes. I'd be interested to see what happens there. I mean, it could just be that he's delusional and he reckons he'll have one. Could be, um, yeah. But there's something about the fact that he has a rocket set up and then he gets in it and he blasts off. Like, there's got to be... So, there's got, he has to know what he's doing. There has to be a plan here. He is at a point where I expect a little asterisk and then a footnote that says, what, no blah <laughs> you know, Mutant League style. Yeah. He actually does drop a ha 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 at one point there, but there's no blah. <laughs> so he hasn't descended into full insanity mm, yeah. yet. <laughs> it's still a considered chuckle. Next issue, Zero Hour. <laughs> Middle chapter syndrome on this one. Still good, still exciting, still building the the tension, but middle chapter syndrome where everybody gets on the same page leading into, I guess, the sort of finale, but not really, next issue. Yeah. Because it's like, next issue is part three of Doomsday, which then leads directly into issue 100. Yeah. But it, it's the end of Doomsday and... Gosh, could be the end of the whole... I guess it must be the end of the whole Special Zone thing. Hey, Praise probably. God. Let's see. And I'm so looking... For, they, this is a really effective build-up, a really effective cliffhanger. We've seen Supersonic, but only in flashback. We don't... We don't... You know, there, there we are speculating. Like, we're going to get to see him soon. And isn't that exciting? Supersonic! Yeah, but do you remember Supersonic? Yeah. Oh, he was the best thing in STC. God, he's so mad. He was such a psychotic he was a demon. demon. His name's Fleetway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I finally saw it in the wild, someone oh, yeah. referring to Fleetway. Yeah, I think it was on like a Sonic subreddit or something. Oh, it didn't Oh, it didn't feel good. Um, I'm inured to it now. Like, I don't accept it in any way. And it, all, all it does is make me judge you. Yeah. If I catch you doing it. That's the height of my emotional response. Now, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, there's a way that I could accept this, which is that if they are calling him Fleetway, which is, and this is what they're doing, then wrong. If they call it, even though they know, they know his name isn't Fleetway. They know they've given him that name. Some people mistaken, who haven't read the comic to be fair right. them, but some they people think he's do called Fleetway. mistakenly okay. think that's actually his name. Okay. That, all of that, bad. But what I would accept is if they were calling him Fleetway in the way that you might, like if I, if I went to visit you and people referred to me as, all right, English? <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> 
that's different. If they're calling Fleetway like that, right, Fleetway? But then surely only <laughs> characters from Archie and IDW would be allowed to do that, yeah. you know? And they yeah. would have to do it to regular Sonic, you know? That, that's how they would refer to each <laughs> other, you know? Hey, Archie, yeah. uh, you all right, Fleetway? Yeah, you yeah. do an IDW? And they would have to <laughs> shorten it up, you know? My name's not Archie, it's Maurice. <laughs> Speaking of considered chuckles, though, you know who'd never consider a chuckle? <laughs> well done, very good. <laughs> Knuckles. Victims, part two, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Elita Fell. Taken prisoner by doctors Robotnik and Zachary, Knuckles and Porker hear the story of how Robotnik found the fatally wounded Zachary after his fall from the floating island, and saved his life by rebuilding his body with Badnik technology. In return, Zachary revealed to him the location of the Emerald Hill Folk, who are now strapped into a huge machine, moments away from having Robotnik fuse their minds into a massive biological computer. Oh, cool. Oh, it's straight over the page. Mm. And this is where the loss of the page, we start to feel it again. We haven't had it mm. like this before, but it's like we've got a pinup and a double page graphic zone in this issue. So when we have both those things and no comic strip pages are printed on the reverse of the pinup, mm. there's no pages left to put anything in between Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Isn't it nice? <laughs> I don't love it. You're hungry for adverts and features. It's not that. I mean, yes, always. On this show, <laughs> absolutely, yes, always. But it does impact the yeah. feel of the thing as a magazine, which it isn't anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was always Sonic no, that's the Comic. It. But yeah, w without the buffer in between the, the fiction of the strips, it might as well be the Beano or something. Yeah, something about separating out the Sonic strip from whatever the next strip is countered for the fact that they're really not very long. You know, you've got those seven pages and then you've got another five pages, but because there's a little bracket in between, it's just a bookend. It's It would typically be the review zone that goes here, obviously. That goes without saying. And while the review zone is not dead yet, we do see its death throes here because we didn't yeah. have one last issue and we didn't even mention it, forgot to mention it. But there's no room for the review zone and a pinup and a graphic zone and ads. Yeah. The strip itself, though. This is cool. Bit like the Sonic strip, middle chaptery, much of it is taken up with a flashback explaining how we got here and setting up uh, the cliffhanger leading into next issue. Yes, because in page one, Knuckles says to Dr. Zachary, like, well, I thought you were killed. And he goes, ah, well, and starts to tell the story. And... Peter Jackson ripped off page two for the opening to Two Towers, didn't he? The, <laughs> the white wizard fell to his death, and he goes like, no, 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 I grappled with a dragon on the way down, so I'm fine. <laughs> uh, in this case, a wide-winged robot. Yes, uh, he managed to grab the robot he went over the edge of the island with, and was able to sort of ride it down mm. on its uh, flying wing arms. But one of the wings was damaged, so he crashed hard. And his horrible, mangled remains were found by a Badnik patrol. And as we speculated, yes, twas he that told Robotnik where the Emerald Hill folk were. We also speculated that his mangled head was going to be a lot less mangled this issue, but I don't know. No, yeah, the, it's like th that one main big plate on the top of his head hovers just off the surface of his head. Mm, that's it. And is utilised to cast a shadow across... Yes the gross bit underneath yeah whatever's there just robot head and robot brain and bits oh, innards yeah it's 
really, really cool. And, and the, the most striking part that illustrates that is the giant eyeball implying that you can see the whole eyeball where normally it would be enclosed with skin. Yeah, there's no skull around it yeah. to enclose that. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, it's so... It's dead cool. And it's probably a camera. Yeah, sure. Because it, we, we said this last issue, because it's got, it's got the red iris. That's the only tell that it's not a normal... It has no eyelid and a red iris. It's not otherwise overtly mechanical, but we, no. we pretty much have to assume, yeah, he had to rebuild that whole side of his head. Yeah, that's the side he, he landed on. Yes. <laughs> Face first into the dirt. <laughs> it's just really flat on one side. I really like how when Zachary is telling us that he told Robotnik where the Emerald Hill folk were, you get this close-up on his eye in which Dobbin has painted the reflection of the Mushroom Hill Zone. Like he's just yeah, that's good. thinking about it, remembering it. We, it's almost like we're seeing a flashback of when he saw that zone, but in the reflection of his eye. That's just cool. That's a good little bit of artistry. And it's warped around the spherical shape of the eyeball as well. Oh, yeah. I like how Robotnik says, uh, Did you really think those peasants would be safe from me on the floating <laughs> island? I just like it when Robotnik uses the word peasants. <laughs> Very medieval. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lovely design work from Nigel Dobb in this issue on oh. Robotnik's weird little base and computer yeah. that he set up. <laughs> because it's a big egg. A big egg. It's a big egg. Within... A, a big, big egg. egg. Yes. There's two big eggs for the price of one. Yes, and the way it's drawn is that the outer big egg kind of has, like, uh, windows in the top half, so you can see the smaller big egg inside. In The, the distance... smaller big egg. <laughs> well, it's big and small at the same time. <laughs> a smaller big egg. <laughs> it does give it the... I don't know whether to say unfortunate appearance from the outside of, like, one of those lemon corers your nan used to have, you know? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know how they work or what you're supposed to do with them, but you rub a lemon on it. You just, is it a juicer? Yeah, yeah. The idea is you simply push the lemon down on it and turn it so that it, you know, juices the pulp. Right, and then there'll be little holes for the juice to dribble yeah. into. And, oh, I never knew. I've seen it in the kitchen so many times. <laughs> your kitchen or your nan's kitchen? Both, I think. I think maybe my mum had one, but but it would be one of those things that you have in your you kitchen. You don't have one in the house, right? Is there a lemon juicer in the house with you right now, Dave? <laughs> no, there is not. Anyway, as Robotnik and Zachary lead Knuckles into this big egg, mm. the omnivore appears! Yeah! What a God, surprise! Oh God. I mean, that's just great. The interstrip yeah. continuity carrying on. Yeah. Also, I like what I've decided is the implication of this, uh, which is that actually Omni still does have all his powers. It's just like... Oh, leave me alone. <laughs> he doesn't want well, to carry Sonic because he's just had one for ages. It's like when you've just had guests round. You don't want more guests the next day. Specifically, no hedgehogs. <laughs> I mean, where, where we leave uh, Omni at the end of the Sonic strip is Sonic, Mighty, Espio, and Charmy go off to put a stop to Lord Sidewinder, mm -hmm. whatever that entails. But Omni says, I'd like Vector to stay here with me. I think there's a way I can help. And that's where we leave it. So whatever's happened, something's happened, something's happened in between issues that we'll find out in the Sonic strip next issue. Mm. Uh, and we'll see how Armony's been recharged or, or whatever. Yeah. But he seems to be specifically looking for Knuckles too. There he is. I've found Knuckles. So I don't know why he was looking for him. <laughs> And so what Omni sees is he... This is why we have the, the lemon cora windows at the top, is because... Yeah, so Omni can see in. Yeah, so he sees in through the dome at the top, and the way it looks is, it is it's just a big egg. It's just sitting there, egg-shaped. Purple and green, evil colours, Evil colours, and the green is the circuitry leading to these kind of... Like the things... You know the things 
that ladies in hair salons in old films put over their heads. Hair dryers. Is that what they are? The big, the big metal dome that goes over a woman's head. Yes. Yeah. Head, really? A big dome hair dryer? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what they are. The only reason I say it like that is that now I suddenly want to go. <laughs> I didn't know there's something you could put your whole head in and make it warm. That sounds great. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong. I always just assumed they were hair dryers. I bet they are. Uh, I bet those they are. big dome things in salon. <laughs> uh, Cora, what are those big dome things that go over your head in hair salons actually do to your hair? It can either be a hood dryer, a hood processor, or a hair steamer. What's a hood processor? Um... Well, uh, process your head. Yeah, it's 32 megabits of power, and if you plug another head into the top of it, uh, you can play Sonic and Knuckles on it. <laughs> uh, who, um, what does the dome show? There's a Reddit thread about it. <laughs> With this literal question um, it's a hair dryer. It's a hair dryer. It's a hair dryer, Chris. Uh, I think we've established it's a hair dryer. What are those big dome things that go over your head and hair salons do? It's a hair dryer. It dries your hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a hair dryer. I think yes. it's a hair dryer. Yeah. yeah, I was right the first time. From the from the evidence before us, we can glean. I really did. It's I a did hair dryer. just sort of always assume that, but it's you good right. to see I assumed correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, make something out of that. Those domes <laughs> that the ladies have. That's what all of these people have over their heads. It sort of looks like that's the only thing holding them on, which always bugged me. Presumably they've got little wrist clasps as well, I don't know. Uh, presumably. We'll get a closer look at them next issue, Next perhaps. issue. Because they've got their arms, and they, basically they've got the whole body spread out flat against this egg, and they look unconscious, don't they? Yes. Or uh, brainwashed or something, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your friends are quite unhurt, Robotnik says. You're too ignorant to understand the science, so I'll keep it simple. I'm using their minds to power an enormous biological computer. Instead of microchips, I use the power of living brains. Once it is activated, the Emerald Hill folk will become part of the most powerful computer ever. All I have to do is pull this lever, and the Emerald Hill folk are doomed. Ooh. It's a bit out of the blue as plans go. I will say that about it. Because there's never been any indication that this is what Robotnik wanted to do with to the Emerald Hill folk when he caught them before. No, but he has used them for powering stuff before. So, That's you know, true. It's, That's it's, true. There's that through line. Um, and also, we don't know what his big plan is that he wants to do with this. Yes, there must be some uh, end game with it. Um, I don't right now remember if there is one. Nope. But, uh, Same. An Omniviewer just watches this whole thing. Well, uh, yeah. Omniviewer... And Knuckles having about the same level of significance in the strip, hmm. just watching as Dr. Robotnik and Dr. Zachary explain their way through things. Well, something bad's happening, you know? It's too big for them to do anything about right at the moment. Next issue, the final chance. <gasps> I'd love to have more to say about this one, but it yeah. and Sonic are both very much middle chapters. Mm -hmm. Just getting all the ducks in a row for the big pre-issue 100 cliffhanger next issue. Mm, yeah. Still lovely to look at as ever, though. Just a madbird! Just a Oh, dear Dave. <laughs> it's, what are we on, the fifth Disney Channel advert? Something like. But at least it's not just a list of cartoons. Yes. But what I feel has happened here, I think this is genuinely a first for this show. An advert 
for something. Kid oriented, kid targeted. Not yep. so. You know, we've we've had adverts for things we weren't interested in before, like football yep. cereal or whatever, or Sabutio. Ooh. But we understood them. Oh, I see what you're about to say. Yeah. But this is an advert for something that I just stared at, blank faced. Mm. Just a total buzz of static in the brain. What on God's earth was? The Dangerous Boys. The Dangerous Boys. It might as well be an advert for whoever presents CBBC now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'll tell you, the internet, it doesn't know. You Google, you Google Disney Channel and Dangerous yeah. Boys, in quotes, the first yeah. hit is a tweet from you. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah, I did find that, yeah. From you asking about the identity of one of these lads. That's the thing! Who was previously glimpsed in yes. the comic before. So we've got two boys here. These dangerous boys are pictured several times across the page. Um, they're called Adam and Simon. Adam is a standard schoolboy, and Simon is the troll face meme made flesh. With big, greasy, spiky, jailed out hair like what was cool in the 90s. And we've encountered Simon before. Mm -hmm. His name is Simon Bright. And listeners, do you remember last summer there was an issue where they did a promo for the Sega channel, the Game Pass of the Mega Drive. In STC. In STC. And it... Of course in STC. But just making clear for the folk at home. Wasn't the Dangerous okay. Boys did the promo with STC? Oh, I see. Yes. And we got in all of us about where we recognised this boy Simon from. And it turned out he was Bob from Bob and Baz, which was a recurring bit on Live and Kicking. The CBBC Saturday morning yes. kids programming. Where they were these two Del Boy types. Andy Peters was Baz. All I've been able to find out further than that for this episode is that according to an old 1996 TV gossip article from the Mirror that I found. Oh wow, I couldn't even find that. How mm. did you find that? Uh, putting his full name in because someone, someone in that tweet to me, someone said his whole name, which is Simon Bright. I tried that. I couldn't find anything. Well, apparently his big break was. So he was 14 when we last encountered him. So we're about 15 now. Before that, before he was even 14, his big break was playing Gary Barlow. In something called Junior Take That. Now, it doesn't say what that was, and I can't seem to find out. I bet it was just a segment on Live and Kick In or something. That, no, that's what I thought. But there's mention of them performing in Italy. Oh. Apparently they took the thing on tour, whatever it was. So it sounds like it was an all-child Take That tribute band, apparently, <laughs> that somebody set up. All right. So anyway... Basically, he's around our age, even though he has the brow of an older man. <laughs> he does have a severely wrinkled brow. He does. Poor old lad. The other fella, Adam, doesn't seem to have gone on to do anything. Can't identify him at all. He just looks like someone you know. He looks like such, such a standard guy. <laughs> I know someone who looks just like him. I've met loads of people who look just like this guy. He's a, he's a normal boy. Yes, I think it was friend of the show, Grant White, who uh, responded to that earlier tweet of yours and identified mm. him as one of the dangerous boys, which is yeah. what allowed Google yeah. to scrape it and let yeah, us know yeah, yeah. that this was even him. Otherwise, I'd have forgotten that this was mm. this bloke again. Oh, I still remember him because I remember this guy from Live and Kicking. Um, but yeah. Um, and according to, I think, that tweet and, or, and something else that I found of someone reminiscing about this show, they presented it variously out of a garage and a car and the that, conceit that was... was that these two young terrors were mm. hacking in to the mm. disney channel 
and continuing to present Disney-related content, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just putting the same stuff on. They were just the presenters for a certain yeah. stream. I presume they had a yeah. specific time of the night that they did their presenting. Oh, no, I found that out. It was mornings and evenings, apparently. Ah, there you go, then. Mm. Specific times. They were hard-working, dangerous boys. It'll have been before and after school, won't it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> for them as well as us. But as you say, it, it's the equivalent of having an ad for Zoe Ball and Jamie Theakston, yeah. who presented Live and Kicking. It's like I said, it's just so far outside. Yeah. I mean, had we the Disney Channel, yeah. we'd probably be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. But maybe not, because as I say, <laughs> the internet doesn't remember this existed. No, because there nobody had... nothing about this on the internet. Nobody had Sky. Nobody was watching the Disney Channel. It was It was a really niche thing. No, I suppose no. I suppose this around now was when my friends were starting to get Sky, actually. So I'm sure there were kids who would start. Yeah, but you didn't hear them going on about the Dangerous Boys, did you? Well, we were a bit old, weren't we? Also, didn't you used to have to pay separately for the Disney Channel back at this stage? Oh, that's it! Yes, I think you You did. You could have Sky, but you had to pay more for Disney, and that that did stop later. Mm. Years later, you were into the 2000s before then, but yeah, only because they packaged it in. Yeah, yeah. You used to have to pay a separate uh, bundle or, or thing to get the or Disney whatever, Channel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it, this is an interview with, we assume, like it could have been written just by some editor who never met them, but the idea is that it's questions and answers, and I can believe it, with these two kids who we've never heard of and will have no means of watching them at all. So this just this is a niche advert. It's strange. I don't know. It's straight Because what this doesn't do is make you want to watch it. Oh, God, no. It doesn't advertise the program. Oh, the complete opposite. Yeah, it only functions if you know these boys and want to read. Honestly, this is like a feature. This is like a teen magazine feature. Because it assumes you know what they are. It's like when they did Ant and Dec. You can sort of deduce from context in the advert. Yeah what their deal is that they're on coming to you direct from the dangerous boys hq our fearless reporter digs the dirt on those tv terrors the boys have vowed to hack in daily so you can catch them live only on the disney channel so i'm able to deduce from that what the conceit of the characters was but it's not presented to me as it's presented to me as if i know what that is already yeah and they always say hacking apostrophe no g Never a hacking. <laughs> well, it's it, always hacking. Hacking is very cool, isn't it? Yeah, but it, <laughs> what? So is it made it even cooler by dropping yeah. the G? Hacking? No, it's just no, it's just obligatory. You couldn't refer to something cool with a square way of spelling it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daddy O, I'll catch yeah. you on the down flip. <laughs> Simon, why do you hack into the Disney Channel? Asks the reporter. Am I being Simon? Why not? Well. <laughs> I reckon he sounds a bit like that, don't you? Oh, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Well, we do really like the cartoons, and especially that Timon and Pumba, and oh, Adam fancies Belle from Sing Me a Story with Belle. Did you look that up? No, I didn't look that up. I didn't need oh. to look it up. <laughs> it is a live-action TV program oh. presented by Belle, played by a live-action woman. Sing me a story. Upon a time when I see a story or you see a rhyme, it's as though I've heard it for the very first time. 
in an elaborate set of like the this. It's like it's not about. It's not anything to do with Beauty and the Beast. She's just in a big set. Oh, that's like, okay. It, like imagine the sort of set you think a live action Disney Channel thing would have. It's it's almost yeah. like the. It's like a sitcom house sort of thing she's in, with steps leading everywhere. Oh, wow. Well, I guess I understand why they talk about him fancying her a bit more yeah. now. Like, I was perfectly happy to take that as read and say he fancied the cartoon. She's got a talking puppet book. She's got two talking puppet worms. She's got a talking puppet cat. She's got some kids who just hang around. It's it's mad. It's just a program presented by Bell that I've never heard of. Fair enough. <laughs> so what brings you here, Gaston? I'm having a party. And I'm sure all of you will want to come. Yeah! yeah. Lucky Bell, it's good. Is it your birthday? No. A special occasion? No. Then what are you celebrating? <laughs> I'm big and handsome and terribly perfect. More like perfectly terrible. Well, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to make it to Gaston Day because I'm sticking by my friends and I'm going to a magic show. But what's that last thing there that he says, Dave? Resume the voice, if you would. Oh, um. And because it was the only channel we wanted to hack into with our special computer. Couldn't do it with a regular computer. No, no. I have no. a special one. You, you got to have a special one. You slag. <laughs> Question. How does the computer work? We can't tell you. In fact, it's top secret. You see, we work very hard on the hacking formula. <laughs> and if we tell you, then other people will be able to hack in too. <laughs> Do you have girlfriends? No, but I really fancy this girl in the sixth form. Her name is Stephanie, and she's really pretty, but she doesn't fancy me. In fact, I'm not sure she even knows who I am. I feel like a little bit of reality crept into that answer I know. unintentionally. I believe that. Right? Yeah, I believe, I believe that. that Simon, who was definitely still going to school, fancied a girl... And it's, that's published in a magazine now. Yeah, I don't know whether he thought that was an off-pod moment. <laughs> <laughs> Adam replies, No, but I've got lots of offers. Well, not really. I need a girlfriend. Do you know someone I might like? <laughs> You're not making yourselves out to be very dangerous here, lads. I feel like... <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe that's why these answers feel more truthful, because they don't seem to support the um, mm. fiction <laughs> of the characters here as... Two bad lads. By the way, talk about fab gear. Look at my uh, Simon shirt that I've got on right now. <laughs> That's a close match. It's sort of like an inverted version of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dangerous Dave Bulmer. <laughs> That's right. That's what they used to call me in the sixth form. <laughs> Next question here is, what if Disney catch you? Uh, if Disney catch us, we will say we're really sorry and give them all dangerous lads, eh? And give them all our dangerous stuff out of the garage and all our money, which is quite a lot now as it's about 52p. So yeah, they, they seem to have presented the show out of a garage or something, but I don't know what the dangerous stuff is. I don't know if he's does he just mean like the props or what? I don't know. No, they've got like bomb making materials in there, I think. But uh, <laughs> Dangerous? Yeah. A question. Who gets the prizes for you? Uh, we got this mate at school. His name's <laughs> Wide Boy Wayne. He's got great contacts with the industry, business and toy shops and an eye for a that's, bargain. That's Andy Peters they're talking about. Yeah, Wide Boy Wayne is Andy <laughs> Peters. Simon, how do you get your hair like that in the dirty, greasy, gelled up spiked <laughs> form that we tried to describe earlier? Look, if you were around in the 90s, you know what it looks like and there's a 75% yep. chance you wore your hair that way yourself, you prick. <laughs> Well, actually, this is a dangerous haircut, and if you want to be dangerous, can Capital you have to D, have... dangerous. Yeah. That's where you got to put the emphasis on it. Yeah. 
And you have to have spiky hair. It helps. Oh, oh, a big diss on Adam there, who doesn't have spiky hair. He's got good yeah, boy floppy hair. He's got flo- the floppy. Sensible. Even your hair is not as floppy as that. No, yeah, he's got sensible boy hair. He's got good boy hair. He looks like a good boy, actually, doesn't he? Not that dangerous. I don't know. That Simon smile has a bit of, there's a slyness to that smile. Yeah, he's got. He's he's the brains of the operation. Yeah. Yeah, Simon's the heavy. <laughs> he looks at Pooh. What? I swear, he looks like he's 25, honestly, next to this. Oh, I thought you... picture of them cuddling up and doing thumbsies up. I thought you said, he looks at poo. And I wasn't (laughs) sure what that's got to do with being... He looks it too. He looks it too, is what I said. Okay, with you, with you now. Um, It helps to get it like this if you put loads of gel on it and never wash it. Oh, because washing's for girls and not dangerous boys. No, no, no. Too dangerous for that. That's Yeah, he's never washed his face either. That's how it got like that. What do the others at school think? Well, we keep getting asked for our autographs and all our teachers think we're really famous and cool. No, they don't, Si. They think you're immature and a show-off and should be taught a lesson. And finally... Because apparently we're doing the whole interview for Why you guys. Why the flip not? There's no other content besides scripts, this issue. Are you going to continue hacking in? We are going to hack in before and after school for as long an apostrophe. Yeah. And like a like bird. Like an. <laughs> after school for as long as we can. We are working on special new technological equipment so we can do more hacking and try other dangerous things. Things like a wing like a bird's wing. <laughs> But we can't say in case you tell on us. The Dangerous Boys could pop up anytime, anywhere on the Disney Channel. So keep your eyes peeled. www.disneychannel.co.uk I would say the window of time in which Mm. it was possible to experience the Dangerous Boys Mm -hmm. was vanishingly short. Must have been, must have been. I mean, good luck to the boys, obviously. You know, I hope they did well. I mean, I I more or less guarantee Adam went on to be a producer of some sort. He just had to look. (laughs) None of them have done any crimes we're aware of. Yep, it's once again a drawing of a flasher. (laughs) Once again, a drawing of a badnik, repeated several times, this time without really much artistry. (laughs) It's a nice drawing of a flasher badnik. Sure, sure. Um, It's it's a, it's a, well, I want to say words that, and Uh and I keep, I keep, hmm. It's a three quarters of you from below looking up at the undercarriage of this flasher. <laughs> the, uh, the flasher is bearing its undercarriage to us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So these mm. little dudes are what? They were from the Mystic Cave Zone. Mystic they? Cave Zone, yeah. They just flash and then zip somewhere you, and then flash. You can't boff them while they're flashing. You got to wait till they're finished. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we need to move on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even doing it on purpose. Reverse of the pinup uh, is the Dangerous Boys ad and the Jellyful World of the Shreds lemon marmalade advert from last issue. It's just nice to note because they put ads on the back of the pinup. They're really starting to think now you could pull that out and put it up if you wanted a flasher on your wall. <laughs> and who doesn't? What young boy didn't in 1997. <laughs> Which leads us into. Decap Attack. Dead. Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner. Art by Mick McMahon. Letters by Ellie DeVille. It soon becomes obvious that Max D. Cap's assistant, Rupert, has added Chuck and Head's names to the Go Straight to Hell list, and when he tries to kill them to ensure their fate, a fight breaks out, which lasts just long enough for the train journey to hell 
to reach its destination. I love the opening caption on this. Now, Decap Attack is a very silly comic at the best of times. But the way this opens with a straight-faced <laughs> caption that says, mm-hmm. Chuck, Head, Professor Frankenstein, and Igor are on the death train to hell. Full stop. As you do, like, that's a normal day for that. That's Even that is not a normal day for these guys. Even for that No them, exclamation yeah. marks, no nothing. Just like, this, this is what's going on. Now, I didn't notice that panel because I was distracted by the amazing oh, Isn't first it panel. fantastic? A wide shot of the train, the death train to hell, rolling by in the distance with some rocky outcroppings in the foreground. And it's a fiery, hellish landscape. But the rocky outcroppings are all abstractly shaped like skulls with with holes, yeah. burning holes for noses and eyes in them. It's tremendous. Yes, almost like melting skulls, mm-hmm. isn't it? That are melting together into one big, I don't know, coral reef of skulls or something. It's cool. It's great. Really cool. And there is fire coming out of the eyes and nose mm. holes. Dead good. And uh, Yeah, it begins with it becoming obvious that Rupert is responsible for why mm. our heroes are here. I can prove they're dead. See, their names are on the official go straight to hell list. Chuck grabs it and says, What are you trying to pull? Someone's added our names to this list with ballpoint pen. All right. No, okay. I will admit that Chuck was a little on the dead side. But what do you expect from a reanimated corpse? This isn't the first time Chuck has snuffed it, you know. All I do is give him a cup of cocoa and 20,000 volts of electricity up to thank you. I get the picture. Yes, that, that answers what we were pondering last issue. He's just he just gets a little dead sometimes because he's he's a reanimated corpse. The professor stuffs a cable up him and just sorts it out. I do suppose you have a point. This list does seem to have been tampered with. And then Rupert takes him aside and says, if people find out you're letting people off, they're going to think you're going soft. Yeah, well, I see what you mean, but uh, that does leave the difficulty of these people... Not being dead. <laughs> and then Rupert whips a huge pistol out of his inside pocket and goes, Oh, I have the perfect solution to that little problem. <laughs> and there's, n- there's nothing about this gun, listeners, that's not a gun. Do you know what I mean? It's like a normal human real-world gun. It's not even a silly gun. Nope. <laughs> It's not like, you know, he's not going to fire a dart. He's going to shoot them with a gun. I think if he had ever got the chance to pull the trigger, editorial would have probably changed whatever came out the end of it. But he doesn't, (laughs) because Chuck throws head at him. We've had just about enough of this, haven't we, Ed? And then he throws it at him, and Chuck bites the gun, grabs the gun in his teeth as he sails past, snatches it out of Rupert's hand. Oh, this plays havoc with me feelings. (laughs) That's a good line, and I like that this deep in... Now and then they remember that the whole conceit of the game was you throw this guy. This man throws this skull. That's the premise here. It's on his top of his body, and that's it. You know. Yeah, I like it when they remember that. Not that I care about the game. Not I only care about the comics. No. <laughs> Chuck clobbers Max just because, just for good measure, and that makes Max mad. Now you've really gone and got my gander up, you horrible little reanimated corpse. And then Igor in the back says, Oh, nice work, Chuck. You got a ferocious demon from the far pits of hell mad at us. And then they uh, they fight with Rupert just cheering on Max from the sides. More of Mick's unique extras faces on the yes. next page. When you see this many of them in one place, yeah. you do start to think that maybe they aren't caricatures of yeah. real people at all. He's just 
a massive talent. Yeah, he's just really good. differently shaped people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He might just be a very good artist. Yes, might just be, you know, as if there wasn't enough evidence in the whole rest of the strip to support that. God, this looks good, doesn't it? If you, listeners, if you've heard of Mick McMahon and you've heard of him from people who don't like what he does later with Sonic, go and have a look at the, because you, you'll be like going, well, they must be wrong. No, go and have a look at this. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that obviously requires you to like what Decap Attack looks like normally. I suppose. I think yeah. if you're a sick weirdo freak <laughs> who doesn't normally like Nigel Kitching's work <laughs> on Decap Attack, I don't imagine this will do anything for you. You but... may not like this either. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, a certain percentage of people in the world are just wrong about stuff. <laughs> and, and we're uh, on a crusade to yeah. put them all right. Yeah. <laughs> Roast him, sir. Burn him alive. Oh, so you admit I'm alive now, do you? <laughs> I like that. That's a really good line. <laughs> Uh, do you think there's a goof on the final page? Oh. Uh, uh, Chuck spots, uh, they chase them through the train to the final carriage yeah. and they're cornered. And Chuck looks back and he sees a handle and he says, oh, I've just figured out a way to get off yeah. this train. And uh, Rupert yeah. says, if you pull that, you'll be in serious trouble, my lad. But below the lever, there is this big, empty white square. That one gets mm. the impression there's supposed to be some text in there. Some lettering, uh, yeah. That tells you what the lever does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we don't actually because it doesn't. We don't actually know what it does. No, I mean I assume it's a like the emergency train brake. I assumed it was a brake too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you could it could just be we're supposed to know that, but yes, it's a, such a conspicuous. Nowhere else has Mick left a square of blank anywhere mm-hmm. else in the comic. It's not part of his style. And then there's another goof where Igor's speech bubble is drawn coming out of Max. Mm. I guess a couple of goofs on the last page, but Chuck never gets to pull the lever because the train arrives. This is your driver speaking. We are now arriving at Hell Central. This is the end of the line for all passengers for never-ending torment. Would all passengers (laughs) ensure that you take your belongings with you? Not that you'll have any use for them where you're going. We at Death Train (laughs) PLC trust that you have earned your journey. (laughs) Oh, I didn't spot earned. (laughs) <laughs> I know I read it as enjoyed uh, first, yeah. and then I read it by looking at the urn. Oh, great. It's just great, says Igor. Next issue, end of the line. Love it. Love, love Decap Attack. I just love Decap Attack. It's when it is firing on all cylinders. And, and oh. Dan, Dan Ratcliffe, make me a book. <laughs> and this little shake-up to the art yeah. is makes it feel so... Fresh, too. And that's not any kind of a criticism on Nigel Kitching's artwork. It's just that... And seeing Max Decap come back. This feels like a weirdly significant Decap Attack story. Yeah, the first does, yeah. one done by a different artist with the body from the original one coming back. And almost like a payoff to the whole idea that Chuck is a reanimated corpse. Aside from solving his murder in the second Decap Attack strip. He goes to hell in this one. Of course he goes to hell. Why wouldn't he? That's brilliant. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just everybody dressed like cool dudes. I don't know enough about clothes to describe some of this. No, this is the problem, isn't it? (laughs) Not cool enough a dude. Uh, James Robinson from Stockton on Tees gives us a sort of, a sort of Amy. Amy in a dress. She's got her hair combed down on one side. She's got a green dress on. She's a person with Amy's head, sort of. She's got earrings. And I Mm. do like that she has earrings and they're hooked onto her ears coming Mm -hmm. out the top of her head. Okay, what? and thus look ridiculous because Sonic characters can't really do that effectively. Can't wear big dangly fancy earrings. I suppose not. They're, they're getting the way of their eyes. But well done, him. You know. Yeah. 
Christopher Horner from Carrickfergus in County Antrim, Nornarn, has uh, drawn a green Sonic wearing a, a sort of cool, sort of like all-in-one suit. I think it's a disco flared suit. Trousers yeah, and, yeah, just kind of a, a zoot, disco suit. Yeah, flared trousers with uh, big platform versions of his sneakers. I like that platform version. Yeah, of his that's sneakers. good. That's good. Like oh that. well, it's not a green Sonic, is it? Look on his forehead. It's Metamorphia. Oh my goodness, you're right. It is Cosmic the Hedgehog. Metamorphia's, uh, he's got the little spit curl uh, from way back in issue number 31. I wonder if that's when Christopher drew it. Um, Megadroid's comment on that one is the leader, which, so they're seeing it as a, as a, as a, well, he... A reference to he who shall not be named. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I suppose it's Spangly Disco Sword, I guess that's the idea, yes. Kevin Chalmers from Banff, Scotland, which keeps appearing in different places, um, has drawn Was that an X-Men reference you just made there, Dave? Nah, it couldn't be. Um, I don't know about that. That's a little extra respect from me earned right there. (laughs) Only took 98 issues, but wow. (laughs) Um, Has drawn Sonic. It's easy easy to please, isn't he? (laughs) Hey, Chris, snicked. He did the thing that he does with the things. (laughs) He's drawn Kevin Chalmers. Sonic. Standing uh, from behind, he's got the cool Sonic and Knuckles leather jacket on that we denim all covered. Denim jacket, denim jacket. Sorry, sorry, denim jacket. That no, that's covered. it. All respect lost. Can't yeah, tell the that's all drained away in a split second. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he's to show this off, or you know, based on whatever it was, Kevin was copying of somebody standing with their back to you and looking to the side. Mm-hmm. He's got his arms spread quite wide, and this is not—they are elongated. Both just because he's drawn them a bit too long, but also because the whole aspect ratio of the picture is wrong because it's been squashed. And rudely, uh, editorial has put the comment: "STC is this cool? Like Sonic spreading his arms out, stretching his arms out to show how big it is. How cool something is. Yeah, yeah, like a big fish or a big egg." Which, I don't know, I say rudely, that strikes me as slightly rude. They're just commenting on, like, because that is the weirdest part of the drawing, is he hasn't quite yeah. nailed the drawing of the arms. Nicely drawn hand or two, though. Well, that's the thing. Hands are tough to draw, you know, he's done They're very well, yeah. Yeah, very good. I think it's good. Lucy Elliott from Hailsham in East Sussex has drawn a, mm-hmm. a cool dude tails. What do you want to say? This is the coolest a dude can be. He's got sunglasses on. He's got a baseball gap turned around yeah. to the side. He's got a yeah. leather jacket with the sleeves cut off. Good yeah, oh my God. God. Ripped off, maybe. Is he wearing watches around his ankles? Yes, he is. Now, Tails did used to have little belts there, do you remember? Back in the olden days. Sure, yeah. And this is an old school Tails. Look at the shape of his nose. That's a Sonic 2 Tails. But she's turned yeah. him into watches, and that just makes him extra cool. I think, has he got snap bracelets on one arm? Or is that tattoos, or what? No, he's got a tattoo of his of logo his from logo. STC on his bicep. Whoa, <laughs> this guy rules. And of course he's got sunglasses on. It's a bit uh, Timothy Dalton in Hot Fuzz, but I'll allow it, you know? <laughs> Flexing the bicep to show off his own logo. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got, you know those chains you make at Christmas at school out of strips of paper? <laughs> paper chains, yeah. Yeah, those where you stick them together at the ends. He's got a chain that he's wearing made out of those. I'm sure it's supposed to be a gold chain that's been coloured that way to resemble a metallic sheen. Yeah, probably, but it's got like they, they look like they're blue and yellow. And then he's standing in front of all graffiti that he's obviously written because it says Tails Rules. Yeah. And it says cool. And it says yo, which obviously... I I wonder if this is a bit of an ageing drawing now because not only is it an old Tails, but it's getting to be an old impression of coolness. Little bit, right? Yeah. Look at he's got his, uh, an earring as well. 
And yeah. he's got, but he's also got the tips of his tails pierced. <laughs> oh, cool. What a cool dude. <laughs> but then he's wearing a red and blue striped baseball cap, which just is not. Yeah. It's that's not part of the same old song, is it? No, that's a flimbo hat, not a cool dude hat. <laughs> Still, I think it's cool. With a little beanie bob on top there? Well, of course. That's how you make them. you got to have one of them. It doesn't have to be. The little ball on the top. It yeah, looks like a Just William button. cap with everything you it got does, that yeah. going on. It does, yeah, like an old school hat, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well then that's how you know he's a that's how you know he's a cool dude. Look what he's doing about look what he's doing to the system. He's got his school hat on, <laughs> but he's turned it round to the side and pulled it down, so he's a cool dude. Tails versus the machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've chosen to caption it Cap Attacks Oh, that's the, with, a, oh, with little arrows With a weird sort of double-headed <laughs> arrow next to that Which can, one can only assume was an accidental keystroke Yeah, it's gotta be, but I don't even know what symbol that is uh, It's a left and right pointing cursor key Essentially Yeah, I don't know what's going on there It's as if that's the, you know, the, the software telling itself to leave a gap here Or something, but accidentally printing the symbol, you know don't know what that is. To the right of that, Thomas Smithhurst from Selston in Nottinghamshire has gone the same route with Knuckles, but yes. in a in a way that, as you say, feels like a more, more. Uh, up-to-date depiction yeah. of cool, where Knuckles is wearing a denim jacket, it looks like, yeah. and a backwards baseball cap and sunglasses. His jacket's got little nipple holes. <laughs> yeah, it does look <laughs> like it has cutouts, but... <laughs> Because it's got pockets at the normal pocket area, and then up in the breast pocket, it's just got cutouts to whatever's underneath. I mean, but perhaps... it's not his skin underneath, at least. He seems to have a jumper on. Yes. Well, I don't know. Is it a jumper? or? Oh, it's... yes, you're probably right. The it neck... is actually... Yes, it is. You're right. But it's I was... a kaput. I was thinking it's... that was his collar, but it's not. You're if right. such a thing can be, it does look like a cool dude sort of a jumper. This looks like a new generation of street teen Ironically wearing clothes to make them look good. He looks kind of like someone off of East 17. It's kind of yeah, what I'm picking up off him. He does a bit, yeah. Uh, Jenny Chung from Exeter in Devon uh, has drawn a Sonic tie. And the caption is Sonic tie in. Well, there isn't a caption on the knuckles on it. No, there isn't. Forgot. Yeah, yeah, no. They've just forgot because they aren't cool enough to know what's <laughs> going on there. Um, and yeah, I'm not saying we are. <laughs> but they aren't. She's drawn a tie of... Sonic, as depicted on the on the yeah, box, to not a, not a tie in the same way that the Sonic was a cola bottle. No, that one time. Sonic not, isn't not a, tie a tie of Sonic. It's a tie with a drawing of Sonic on yeah. it. There's only really one thing wrong with this, which is that she's coloured the arms blue. Who would do such a thing? Outrageous behaviour. Yeah. Haley Draycott from Sheffield in South Yorkshire does mm. Amy in a dress covered in hearts. Quite like this one. Yeah, this I do too. Actually, yeah, it's, it's not sweet. It's, it's the work of a young child, but... Yeah, it's like the work a of a young child yeah. with a big felt tip in her fist, and she's just drawn this cute... It's it's like it's one of her first drawings, and it's of Amy Rose, and that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just a long sort of white tube representing a dress mm. from neck to ankle that Amy's head is just sort of floating on top of with her arms poking out the sides, holding on to a, a glass of red drink with a straw coming out of it. Bit of cherry aid or something. Amy's at a party. Turtle power. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Haley Draker saw the white heart jumper that Amy wore and went, well, I can do much better than that. <laughs> and she's put billions of hearts all over this thing. Amy turns hippie chick is the caption on that one. Because she's, well, wearing a, I guess it's because it's all about love. Flower dress, just like, yeah. All, all yeah. love, 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 love. Hippies love, love. They do. Last one, Dave. Well, I mean, well, what could you say? I know what we can say. We can say this. It's Alison Headley. A few issues ago... 
Alison Headley was in the comic, and I said, and I can't remember if you thought this as well, but I was like, Oh yes, do yes, we that's know Alison Headley? Name. This is yes. a really familiar yes, name. I was wondering if it was someone we know, so I was looking on the Twitter, and then. I happened two days ago to be listening to an episode, and I think it was episode 60, and there's Alison Headley. Oh, there you go then. So, yeah, we keep getting Alison Headley sending stuff in. I ought to find out what to see if it's... What if it's all cropped from one big picture? That's the thing. <laughs> she's coming in close behind Jessica Padkin with the number of pictures yeah. she's had in. Eh? Right in, Alison. This picture is of a cool dude, Sonic. Yeah. I would say he's wearing sunglasses, and I guess that is what it's supposed to be. I but think it so, does yeah. just look like... Sonic's regular eyes have been coloured in black with a with a sunglasses with a shine. sheen across them, and he's wearing a presumably a black leather jacket, big shoulder pads on it, making an OK symbol with his fingers, and he's got blue trousers on and some fancy green shoes. Oh, with, look at with, his with shoes. yellow lightning bolts on them. Yeah, or Zeds, but either way, those mm. are both cool things. Exactly, the Z was the last letter of the alphabet. It's the second coolest letter of the alphabet, and the thing yeah, is, after e- X, after X, but everyone's done X. X is done. So Z, yeah. that's cooler, I think. <laughs> I'm not even arguing it. No, I agree completely. Well, <laughs> so cool dudes all, and fear troubles. What you get is a pack of little baby scribbly crayon stamper things <laughs> for little babies. But Dave, before we move into the next strip, take us back in time and show us just what kind of a cool dude you were all the way back in the early days of 1997 in the... Diary Zone. I have a backcase of diary. I have a backcase of diary. I have a Welcome to the Diary Zone. This is the section of the podcast where we like on this podcast to take you back in time with us. It's a podcast within a podcast. Yeah! We like to take you back in time with us to, like, experience what it was like to live in those days. And we can do that because we have the the urtext the urtext my, my <laughs> actual teenage diary from the very weeks when this issue of sonic the comic was out was there any sonic stuff going on in my life that fortnight let's find out beginning on wednesday the 19th of february 1997 oh listen to this this is rude did some advertising material for mr bastard <gasps> language timothy he said if i didn't he wouldn't enter me in the exam can he do that can he do that? So this is GCSE. Like advertising material. What'd you do for him? I wasn't... No, I wasn't... It wasn't advertising material for Mr. And that's why you've never heard of him, obviously, because otherwise... Clearly it didn't work. Know, <laughs> <laughs> no, he... So Mr. was our computers teacher. Our, our, our information systems teacher, IS. What we were doing was we were doing an exercise that taught us about spreadsheets and stuff. And the, the overall theme of the class was that Mr. Gimson, the owner of Gimson's Leisure Centre, which doesn't that sound like Japanese game makers trying to come up with an Englishman's name? <laughs> What's that list of names from something? Yeah, from that sports game. Yeah. Mr. Gimson of Gimson's Leisure Centre, he wants to advertise Gimson's Leisure. He's hired us to do his whole branding. So we've designed his letterhead and we've done it on a computer. So it's all just like angles and triangles and rubbish like that, which we've drawn on paper first. And then we have to think about what we could make with a computer. And the kids who'd never used a computer in their life, what were they expected to even imagine they were going to be able to do with a computer later? And we had to come up with spreadsheets. I remember getting so mad at homework from Mr. because I could not do it. Hmm. I couldn't do the homework and just this fever was coming upon me. Oh, I hated his class so much. Probably because it was so promising, you know, play with computers class. Yeah, yeah. No, it's bad. So he wouldn't enter me in the exam. I just don't think he can do that when it's GCSE, right? You just don't enter the kid in the GCSE exam. I don't know. 
That took all evening, so I've not done anything else. Where is that last pillar in Zelda? <laughs> Friday the 21st. When I get reality... Do you remember reality? Mm. The software I want to get on the Amiga that oh, will let yes, me make games. Oh, from game. last issue. Yeah. Make it any old game, yes. And sell them, apparently. You'll get the money, yeah. So I've decided what game I'm going to make. The Legacy of Helga. So evidently, I have passed through the time in my life when I didn't understand parodies. Lou Stringer has kicked me bodily out of that period in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Insect Guy and the Zed Monkeys were Dave's introduction to the idea of parody. Monday the 24th. Can't wait till I get reality. I'm very close to... Oh my god, you're still going on Still on with this. uh, Normally you've, you know, given up on an idea like this by now in the diaries. Tuesday the 25th, I'm really looking forward to school mornings now because of... Oh, this is so sweet. It's not school, it's just weekday mornings. Yeah. Because of... (laughs) The X-Fools on Radio Trent FM. (laughs) They save the human race from things from outer space. She's very smart, extremely sharp. He's always off his face. He's Agent Fat Smolder. Who are you? What do you want? She's Agent Donut Sulky. Smolder, I'm your partner. X-Fools. Spooky scenes in the dead of night. X-Fools. Why doesn't anyone turn on the light? X-Fools. FBO headquarters, Washington, D.C., 9 a.m. You wanted to see us, Assistant Director Skinhead? Agents, glad you're here. I'll take your coats. Oh, thank you, sir. Sit down. No, ow! Oh! Sorry, the chairs have gone. Oh, sir, these FBO oh. budget cuts are getting ridiculous. You think so? <laughs> sir, you just threw our coats out the window. Yes, they've taken away the closet. Besides, they'll get a good price on the street. It's chilly in here. Oh, sir, I can't believe they've taken away your clothes as part of the budget cuts. Actually, that's more of a personal preference. And then we end on Sunday, the 2nd of March, 1997. And this is, it's like a headline written out in capital letters at the top. Day which couldn't exactly be called stunning, yet was one of those days which was just good enough to get continually better with age, and I'll remember it forever type of day, okay? (laughs) And it is, went to... Get your eyes ready to roll. Get your lungs full, ready to sigh. Okay, take a big deep breath. Give me a second, give me a second. Just massage the eye muscles here. He's massaging his eye muscles. Ah, Yes, all right. Just a couple of breaths for the size. Went to the Star Trek exhibition in Birmingham. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. I wouldn't even sigh or roll my eyes. You you do big sighs whenever I mention Star Trek in any capacity. Star Trek is Star Trek. I respect Star Trek. I'm not a Star Trek fan, but I respect Star Trek. Right, it's just when you fold it into your Sonic fan fictions. Yes. <laughs> Went to the Star Trek exhibition in Birmingham and bought the best of both worlds and a TNG communicator badge. Oh, see, there we go now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, we just had to warm up to it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's all I say about the exhibition, but I remember they had, you know, they had the transporter room. They had Morn, the Morn suit, the man at the bar in DS9. And then we went to the new Sea Life Centre, but I was too knackered to enjoy it. Oh. There we go. I feel like the Star Trek thing was the more important aspect of the day, though. It's okay to be exhausted, knackered after that. Frankly, whoever scheduled two big visits in one day, they were the incorrect party. Yes, I don't know quite why that was done. 
Uh, the main thing I remember is the gift shop at the end, which had literally every episode of Star Trek on video, and it and so of course this went on for acres, miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably only one episode per tip, right? No, it was like two episodes per tape, but still, um, even two. I suppose I could have been incorrect in my assumption that it was every episode. It may just have looked that way, but um, I selected. I was like, "What episode shall I select?" I know, best of both worlds. That's the one where Picard turns into a Borg. Um, uh. So I got that one, and actually, that's the last and first episodes. It's a cliffhanger across seasons, so I'd be surprised if I bought more than one video. So did they put that on just one video? And even if they didn't, I don't remember any of the Star Trek videos saying like season this or season that. Even on the spine, they were just like, "Ah, it's just tape 12. Oh God, no! It was the Wild West back then. Yeah. Seasons? <laughs> did you had you ever heard the word season? <laughs> To refer to a chunk of television in the age of 15 in 1997. No, well, n- no, but only because we call them series here. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but even then, like, you didn't know when a series was over. It just wasn't on for a bit yeah. and it was back. Yeah. It never occurred to me. I'm sure they did have the cliffhanger on even on BBC, but it never occurred yeah, to me. Probably. Uh, no. Uh, no, it's like the, t- the program was on. And it was new, yeah. and then it was then it then it wasn't new for a while, and it was just yeah. repeats, and then a new one was yeah. in. And you'd be like, "Oh, it's the next part of this. Uh, I must have missed it so many times, and here it is finally." Yeah, yeah. It oh, was, yeah. You didn't know when a new thing of anything was going to start. No, you just thought, and you, and you didn't even know it hadn't been on telly in the meantime. You'd just not been you'd been missing it or whatever. You're just like, "Oh, sure. not seen this in a while." I didn't know what was in series two of Made Marion. <laughs> exactly, nonsense. Series? No. no, that was always on, wasn't yeah. it? With the yeah. with the exception of Red Dwarf. Which lampshaded yes, it. Yes, Red Dwarf, I was actually going to say the yeah. same thing, was a big example. Yeah. I think I must have been aware of the concept of seasons and mm. by that point, but obviously the big gap between six and seven is, yeah. the, is the big one where it disappeared off TV yes. for years. Yes, and that, we're in that now, I think. I think. Oh, wait! God, 97 is when seven's going to come on, I think. No! I think it really? is. Really? I think it is. That cannot be. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. Surely not. Stab my eyes. You're right. <laughs> what day did this comic come out? The end of February? Dude, there's only one episode of season seven left. <laughs> what? Yep. What was the exact date this came out? No, uh, February 19th, I beg your pardon. Uh, uh, three. Three episodes of, of season seven are left at this point. Wow. God, that's... I don't like that. 97. It's a. It's the future. It's a different time. That's it's not the, thing. the same time. Yeah. Oh, I'm all, I'm all it is. Yeah. That's it. That's the diary's end. We need to find a way out of here. Sonic's World. Solidarity. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Andy Pritchett, and letters by Tom Frame. While Robotnik is on the floating island, Grimer cracks down on Mobius, instituting new, even more draconian laws and rounding up civilians. Amy, Tails, and Johnny make a stand only to be captured. But their bravery inspires the citizens of Mobius to rally and rise up, their greater numbers allowing them to overwhelm the Badniks and rescue the Freedom Fighters. After all these years, it seems that Robotnik's hold over Mobius is on the cusp of being broken. An unassuming little strip, almost. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's just the Freedom Fighters. There's some stringery jokes in the, the cruel new laws. They're like, oh, your ears are too long. Oh, you're wearing a loud shirt in a public area. You know, funny enough jokes, you know. Yeah. But that's all it is. And, and and it ends with the people rising up, as it were. But, you know, we've seen some of that stuff in stories before. 
where they'll topple uh, the statue or whatever. And yes. They'll be like, oh, the people, oh, the people. But no, this is meaningful and purposeful and deliberate happening right now. Mm. Yeah, this really feels like a full-on re-establishing of the idea of what it is to live in a fascist regime. Of RBR. Yeah, they're living in a fascist regime. These stormtroopers will just make up new laws in order to punish the citizens for not having already succeeded in following them and they'll beat you with their sticks yeah they've got like riot shields and visors and truncheons and everything real real well police iconography you know Mm. so this is the thing right a robot is harassing a sheep the sheep says this harassment is outrageous i shall complain to your squad leader i am the squad leader wilbrain complaint rejected and then johnny comes in whaps its head off with his stick and goes (laughs) <laughs> Will direct action make you reconsider, robot? That's what this strip is. This strip is about citizens' obligation to stand up against fascism, is what this is. Yeah, I, I did like the robot's response to Johnny's line. Will direct action make you reconsider? As its head flies off. There's a law against that! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a law against that. That's interesting. It's interesting that the Tories are trying to bring in a law against that. (laughs) Um, Curfew time today is five o'clock. Anyone not tucked up in their beds by that time will be turned into a badnik. And it's ten past five, so you've had it, lawbreakers. (laughs) This is... This is a call to action from Lou Stringer, this strip. Yeah, it truly is. A call yeah, to I mean, arms. We've, we've had some jokes before, and uh, I think uh, uh, it was Shame who was on the episode, wasn't it? Talking about how Lou Stringer was trying to raise a generation yeah. of lefties with his stories. But, I mean, yeah, yeah read this story. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so it starts with that. That's the status quo is like, this is bad. The freedom fighters will fight back against that. But what if they weren't around? What a, shouldn't Shouldn't you all join in with this? And they do get captured in a net, and the result is... The citizens talk among themselves and agree, yeah, we can do that. Let's all do this. Let's all stand up to them. And they all start punching fascists. And it works. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, ips together strong. I mean, actually, it's it's literally a pair of monkeys have a conversation now that I've realized yeah. about it. But yeah, there are more of them than there are of the baddies. Yeah. And they overwhelm them. With a great little gag where one of the badniks says, The people are revolt! And then gets clobbered and goes, (laughs) And the little Megadroid caption says, We're not doing that old joke in this comic. (laughs) This again, once again, I think Lou here has perfected the balance of joke and serious for this strip. Yes, yes, this is, I feel like this is a good microcosm Mm. of the two sides of a Lou Stringer stories, yeah. Yeah, and and I've feel like we've said that again recently so like this is i have said that recently yeah yeah yeah, he's sitting in that space at the moment and we love it i mean they end it by chanting power to the people for goodness sakes yeah (laughs) and of course the thing that's uh, easy to breeze past because it's at the very start it's grimer who's ordering all this to happen ah yes because dr robotnik is on the floating island Mm, yeah as we saw over in knuckles now all three sonic strips in in one issue have interstrip continuity yes omniviewer hopping from sonic into knuckles and robotnik being away on the floating island and knuckles allowing this to happen these three strips are now hurtling to a convergence in issue 100 yes 
Uh, this is Andy Pritchett doing solo art duties again. He did it before in the Zed Monkeys, but he was a colorist just before that. Color and Roberto Corona stuff, mostly. A better look than in the Zed Monkeys at some of his Mobian civilians and how there was no manual of style for artists on STC to draw Mobian civilians, was there? <laughs> no. Everybody does them differently. And... Uh, you know, that's the one thing I'd say. Go, going back to STC in general as an adult, I wish there was some more conformity there so that right. everybody looked like they lived in the same world. Yeah, uh, logically I see that. But for some reason I prefer this to instances where they do all look the same and like they're in a conforming design because, I don't know, it's interesting. You get to see more of the artists rather than of the... Well, there is... I mean, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But, I mean, this is something we pulled away from even a long time ago, yeah. you know, as early as Girl Trouble issue 21, whenever Johnny Lightfoot and Porker Lewis got human bodies, which I've never, and I've said it on the show before, I've never been a huge fan of. I would have preferred it if they'd kept looking small and cute like the game sprites. Yeah. I mean, these are just very cute and funny looking cartoon animals Pritchett has drawn here. But it's, I think we said before that when the reality of the fact that was a hedgehog family mm, watching the TV right, yeah. a couple of issues ago hit us it was like this is something all sonic media had trouble with it wasn't coming from japan was you know everybody in satam and archie all looked like american cartoon characters and not like the sonic characters yeah. you know I suppose when you put it like that well even is a sonic character there were three of them at this point <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> think, think about it like that yeah no, so instead, Pritchett is drawing, you know, the brief is little animal people, and, and that's what he's drawn. It's interesting, I don't think you would get these days, you know, a buffalo and a gorilla, you know, just hanging out, because they're so big. That's true, yeah. And then this one's name is Coco, and he lives in a tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, selling condoms yeah. for 50p. Yeah. Yeah, he does look like that. I mean, I think you can still get... Uh, you see more animals appearing in IDW comics, but yeah, you things like a gorilla or a buffalo, yeah, they they, they demand a different body type, don't they, than <laughs> yeah. the, uh, than the nondescript... Because ultimately that is what it comes down to, is that Sonic characters, and uh, they are nondescript noodle bodies with a cartoon animal head on them. And that's something that the older art doesn't do. Because you see this gorilla walks around on his knuckles, for instance. Mm. Whereas if Sonic did that, he'd get complaints, wouldn't he? Oh, oh, like, get off me, you oh, slaves! This is a character, a character from, from Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Uh, oh, I might be sleepy today. <laughs> <laughs> Next issue, Grimer gets tough. So following on directly, not part two of Solidarity or anything, but picking up from where we left off, Grimer's going to crack down even harder. In issue 99, good God, Dave. 99. Flipping heck, we've been at this a while. Odd one here from uh, Lee Parsons. The SEC have captured it female of the species, so you know that this letter will be about the mysterious creature that is woman. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Megadroid, are there any STC dudettes? And Megadroid replies, well, there's at least two on this page for starters, Lee. And how do we know you're not one? Lee being a gender neutral name. But there's only one letter here from a girl. Jessica Brown from Bembridge, Isle of Wight, who sent in the picture down below. Well, then, surely, this is a reveal about Megadroid. Presumably. Or, I mean, I, I wonder if it was a deliberate reference to Deborah Tate herself <laughs> yeah, saying, yeah. I'm, I'm the other one. Yeah, yeah I am be. the voice of Megadroid and the other one. It probably is, isn't it? Yeah. Could be, but it's bound to confuse the children at home. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, are there any STC doodads? Well, we know there are. We've covered that. 
earlier on the podcast, haven't we? Remember when Helen talked to Abby about being STC dudettes? Half the graphic zone this issue was dudettes. Yeah, there's dudettes everywhere. They should have yeah. set up a little pen pal system. Lee Parsons <laughs> just isn't paying attention to the names. No, that's the thing. The picture that Jessica Brown has sent in is Mighty the Armadillo riding a red dragon yeah. on, a, on a moonlit night. Um... Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's saddled and broken in a dragon. He's got it, <laughs> he's put reins on it, and he's riding it through the night. And he's doing, it, it's also, he's doing kind of a, you know, the, the thing where you pull it and the horse rears up, but of rears, a dragon yeah. in the sky. And it's got black horns and claws, it's fantastic. It's a very flight of dragons-y sort of dragon. It's the scales around the I was going to say around the mouth, scaly yeah. lips on the dragon, mm. that's really, uh, that's the association I'm creating anyway. It may be entirely coincidental, but yeah. Destination unknown. Dear STC, I'm puzzled as to what the difference is between the floating island and Mobius. Because even though the floating island appears in the Sonic games... It's sometimes referred to as Mobius, from Martin Wooder, Kenton, Middlesex, Mega Drive owner, Sega Mega Hog Tag winner. Martin is not paying attention, is he? No. I, don't know. I mean, and Mega Droid doesn't even really try to make sense of what he's saying. No. And simply says, the Sonic 2 game was set on Mobius, Martin, while Sonic 3 was the first to feature the floating island, Knuckles is home, and the latest game, Sonic 3D, is set on Flicky's Island. The, the answer is that you can refer to living in England as living on Earth. That's the answer. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it, yes. I, I get it, though, because I'm sure there's been reference in dialogue to Knuckles living on the floating island and the other characters living down on, on Mobius. Mobius. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, just, I don't really know what Martin's referring to here, where it's sometimes referred to as Mobius. He must be talking about there'll be some issue where Knuckles says, oh, I'm from Mobius or whatever, and, yeah. and he's gone, no, you're not. <laughs> and lastly, or firstly, but we skipped over it for a very good reason, there's a letter here called Control Zone. Dear mega cool dude droid, <laughs> it's good to see the Porkers rejoin the Freedom Fighters again, but what I really want to know is, how do you stand being bossed about by those important humes? Robert Sweeney, Newton Abbey, County Antrim, Northern Ireland, Mega Drive owner, Sega Mega Hogtag winner. Mega Droid has humorously written back, I don't, I hover. Ha 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 He doesn't, he doesn't stand, he hovers, do you know? Yeah, it's not a great, um... Not a great response, but to be fair, it wasn't really a great letter. <laughs> What's he talking about? Porker rejoining the Freedom Fighters? Yes, uh, okay, good. Uh, I I assumed I'd just forgotten something. Was there an episode where he's like, oh, I'll work from the background or something? No, I mean, the, he was in Running Wild. and then He was we, in it. We, didn't we just observe that we basically haven't seen Porker since then? Mm. So I don't know why, uh, why Robert Sweeney thinks he's rejoined him. Mm. Hi, Chris and Dave. Marcus Black from Belfast, Northern Ireland here. So the letter was published under a different name, which is a long story. You have read out my email before because I am the person long ago that wrote in and said that I was published in the comic. And at this point, it was the second Mega Hogtag prize. And dear God, did I want one of those. I'd never received my Hogtag. Oh, this is the one. God. I genuinely... Never received my hog tags. Yes, I remember this now. Livid. I don't know if it was like a conspiracy with my family. Oh. Maybe they were seeing that I was too obsessed with Sonic and everything that was related to Sonic. Oh. They intercepted his post. But yes, I never received my hog tags. Oh my god. This pain is something that haunts me to this day. I bet. 
The cover is dated 4th of March, 1997. So that means I was 12 years old at the time of publishing of the comic. And they crushed me. I had been in big school for, I'm going to say, six months or so. I loved Sonic. This period of the comic is whenever I actually had a subscription to the comic. So I never missed an issue. Obviously, they didn't crush me. But, you know, it, it would have been nice to have my hog tags. Because I submitted such an embarrassing letter. <laughs> That's it. That's pretty much it. Uh, love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Marcus Black, Mega Drive Mini Owner. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for your letter, Marcus. But, I, I mean, I do have to ask, what were you going on about about Porker rejoining the Freedom Fighters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More so than the missing hog tags. What was the deal with the missing hog? What were you talking about? Porker <laughs> rejoining the fight and rejoining Freedom Fighters? Nonsense! I'm not 100% sure. The only thing I can think of is possibly I'm referring to Running Wild Part 1 whenever Porker is showing Sonic around the jam chamber. Maybe I was thinking that's Porker coming back into it, even though Sonic was a bit of a nose to Porker in that. (laughs) Oh, it's been absolutely ages since we've had somebody write in and read out their letter. That's amazing. God, if you know anybody or you did it yourself, please, come on, let's keep it, keep it rolling. Yes, love it. That is an outrage. Absolute and complete, yes. It's your letters, it's your letters. It's your letters, it's your letters. We got one here from uh, Brandon Mills who says, I was listening to your podcast while taking down the Christmas tree and I got so distracted that halfway through I started putting ornaments back onto the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a genuine Speedlines answer. That's like the sort of thing someone would send into Megadroid. I love that. Isn't it? that, That's the whole letter stops there. Yeah, and that is. And that is from Spanky, brackets, your American web guy, Analog Mega SG Genesis and Red Swirl (laughs) Dreamcast owner. Here's one from Alex Pringle, who says, Hello to the humans who think they're in charge. Alex here, as a periphery boomer and current catcher-upper of STCTP. Yay! What what a periphery boomer is. Someone on the periphery of boomage. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) I've been enchanted by both the comic retrospective and the nostalgic gaze back at childhood in the 90s in the UK. Your point in one of the first episodes that internet nostalgia is essentially American nostalgia was spot on, and it's really made me think, Mm. yes, that's a situation we set out to fix with this podcast. And I think we're doing doing a job because it doesn't annoy me as much these days. It is 1997 (laughs) now. Mm. So we're reaching the inflection point where the internet is going to start colliding Mm. up against our lives. And these things will be mashed down into a flat circle. There's (laughs) not that much uniquely United Kingdom-y childhood nostalgia left. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Because it's like the kids who are growing up, well, not even now, the last 10, 15 years with the internet and satellite television being widely proliferated and streaming services and everything making media and pop culture a global thing Mm. much more so than it was when we were young means that their experience of childhood nostalgia will be very different from 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 the isolated pocket that ours was you know yes we're we're entering we're entering the era of british television where they no longer introduce things as drama from across the pond next Back to the letter. Uh, your comments about STC reflecting the games also rings true to me, as I figured supersonic, squirrely, or hedgehogly, and loose feeling controls in Sonic 2 would be well explained by him being a mad, swirly eyed psycho. <laughs> yeah, that's what I used to think.
We were a touch behind the curve in my house. We didn't get a Mega Drive till they came down in price with the release of the PlayStation, which meant many weekends of renting cartridges from local video shop as they were fading from the shelves. Yeah. We did also borrow the Sonic games from a family friend, though my little brother managed to erase their cleared saves on Sonic Oops. 3 and Knuckles, which did not go down well when the game was returned. Whoopsie. I mean, I understand that, but the penalty is you have to play Sonic 3 and Knuckles again, so it's fine. <laughs> Still, all the same, I remember when my brother accidentally erased my clothes to 100% complete Crash Bandicoot 3 save. Oh, oh. Uh, oh the, the, the time trials to get the Platinum Relics. Oh, oh no. The scream I let out of me when I <laughs> went up the stairs and discovered it was gone and the threats of bodily harm that involuntarily issued from my mouth. I remember it well because he'd gone out that evening to a friend's or something, you know, and he knew he'd done it and he hadn't said anything. He'd done it, but he had told my mum he'd done it because he was obviously bricking it over the fact that he'd done it. But I let a holler out of me and I I, I remember I said, I am gonna kill that little blank. And then drifting up the stairs came my mother's voice. Oh no, you're not. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you were waiting at the door with the three-pronged sonic spinner that night. <laughs> Different brother, but still. <laughs> <laughs> you found out it works against brothers. Brothers are weak to sonic spinner. <laughs> Fortunately, like because he was out, I had time to calm down. <laughs> But I was furious. <laughs> okay, so Alexander continues. As a kid, I read scattered issues of many comics, including standard Brit fare such as the Beano and the Dandy, along with collected volumes of Scottish comics such as Old Willie and the Bruins on trips to my gran in Edinburgh. The two Scottish comics. <laughs> <laughs> while, I d- while I didn't read as much as STC as I'd perhaps have liked to, what I did read stuck with me. I'm mainly writing it now as... Do- do you know, I've just that, that's just clicked into my brain. I didn't have a gran in Edinburgh. I didn't have anybody in Edinburgh. How fascinating it must have been to travel only that far, not cross any seas or anything, and find different comics. <laughs> about Scottish people. Like, like really clearly about being Scottish and Scottish stuff. I mean, stuff. I'm pretty sure you could get those, you know. Could I'm you? sure. I, I remember seeing the R. Willie and the Bruins annuals, the, the, end, the books oh. at the end of the year, you know. Oh, right. I remember seeing them on the shelf. Never owned any of them. I'm mainly writing in now, as during my catch-up of the STCTB backlog on my walks to work, I've hit a couple of key things that I do remember, with issue 75 smoking the badnik sticking in my mind, along with some bits that I know are coming up. The terrible free gift of the button covers is also seared into my mind. <laughs> I, re- I recall them from having issue 77 with me in hospital when I went in to have a sensitive injury treated. Tell us about the sensitive injury. Tell us about the sensitive injury. All I want to know about is what your sensitive injury was. Tell us about the sensitive injury. I read scattered issues across the years, many of them from uh, Haley Stroke Angel Bless's collection. Ah! Ah! ah but fell out of the loop as I stopped playing the games. My last real experience of Sonic games being Sonic Adventure 2 and uh, listening to the Sonic Heroes soundtrack on a CD player hidden in my school blazer. Sonic Heroes. Did you see what I found out the other day, Chris? I don't know if I did, no. Uh, picture little Dave on the eve of Sonic the Comic starting, right? M- May 1993. I don't know when in 93 I'm talking about, but around then. I'm in my last class. I'm in my, probably my last term. And little Dave, I've got a backward baseball cap on. I've got my little tuft of ginger hair sticking out the front of there. I've got my great big front teeth. <laughs> huge round glasses. I'm a little, little, little Dave. I am jumping up and down on a table. This table is in a room called the Quiet Room. We have not, it is not quiet right now because me and like my three best friends have sneaked in there. 
we've got a little ghetto blaster and we're playing the song from the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because we, that's just recently been played on TV. We didn't know there was a film of Bill and Ted, the cartoon series that's on Sunday oh, sure, mornings on no, Channel yeah. 4 or whenever. Absolutely, I remember discovering that, yes. Yeah. I had been selected for a most important journey. I was to help fulfill the destiny of the two great ones, Bill and Ted. Wild Stallions rule! Stand still and trouble moves too fast. To save the future, we must learn about the past. Whoa! triumphant it's probably around the same time bbc airs it we tape it we'll watch it so into it it's unreal in fact and that was why the soundtrack to that was my first cd so the other night i was like hey i've never investigated what else the people on this cd did because it's just a compilation album from different bands who contributed yeah. and I, actually i assumed when i set out that it was like they you know they just took existing songs and put them on actually a lot of them seem to be made for the film but um Two heads are better than one. The song at the end, the end credits. Real banger, and we loved it, and it was easily hands down our favorite song for a while there. So I've looked up what else those guys did. And I won't tell you all of it, but long story short, one of the two guys from Two Heads went on to write The Chaotic Song from Sonic Heroes so there you go. Oh, there you go indeed. And when I told Abby that in a rather more long-winded form, and she was very... And I was building her up to this by making her think she was listening to yet another one of Dave's long stories about boring things he found out about and nothing anyone cares about. Mm, there was a slightly different percussive mix on Partners in Crimes, T.O.R.T. Exactly, yeah, exactly. When I was like... So what I found out is that one of them wrote another song, and here's the song. And she went, All right, play me the song in that tone. But it opens, it has an intro that's like... And it took one click, it took one strike of the stick. Just like her body folded up in joy. She was so happy, she was like, Dave, I've always secretly thought this one was good. <laughs> it's on my happy playlist, Dave. So uh, we shall finish off that Alex Pringle listens to the Sonic Heroes soundtrack on a CD player hidden in my school blazer. Ooh. It's been great listening in. You've definitely lightened my steps on my walks to and from the office, and I look forward to the whole run and whatever comes after that. And don't worry, Dave. My childhood fanfiction was also pretty terrible. <laughs> oh, it's a universal truth. Ours all were. Oh, yeah. The only reason that you're not hearing his is that A, he deleted it, and B, he wouldn't read it if he hadn't. I destroyed it. <laughs> yeah. 
I purged it from this unworthy earth. <laughs> it was it was too strong was for this too, planet. Too good for this world. <laughs> Especially as I committed the cardinal sins as Alex and wrote Sonic fanfic based on Archie Stroke Satayam. Jesus. I mean, so did I. So did you, you know. Sort of, yeah, in a way. Yeah, you folded them in there, yeah. yeah. Is that what you did? Did you do, like, folding it in? Or? Yeah, but the one I actually finished, you know, because we all started stories and never finished them. The one I actually finished was basically just a Satayam one. God. I can't remember if we talked about it on the show. We've certainly talked about it on the Patreon videos, but no, it was based on the scattered bits of the Satayam cartoon that I read, uh-huh. and it was about Sally Acorn's missing dad. Never having seen the second season of the cartoon to learn that he had been banished into another dimension by Robotnik and learning that that was what had become of them. No, yours was cooler, wasn't it? Mine was that Sally... I say that unironically. Chris has told me this and I thought it was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Easy now. The idea was that King Acorn and Robotnik were the same person and they'd been transformed somehow. That was it! I was made fully made up you know yeah well yeah <laughs> but then that the super double twist at the end of the story was that they weren't at all and he was keeping the real king prisoner that's cool as well oh that was <laughs> you were good at this <laughs> well oh. it's gone now well when we finish end of mobius you should just start writing a new sonic fanfic and we'll just read that maybe we could do an end of mobius collaborate on one together you know yeah <laughs> cliffhanger ending and then sally acorn died and died and died and died and died <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what it is is that we keep doing a cliffhanger where it looks like Sally Acorn survived and the next one kills her off worse. <laughs> uh, see you next time. Alex Pringle, sometime owner of most Sega consoles, except Master System. Of course, no one has more successfully killed Sally Acorn than Sega. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your letter, Alex. And if the rest of you out there have any letters you'd like to send in them, you can send them to stctpodcast yes. at gmail.com. Yes. I remembered it. I don't normally do this bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Speedlines is alive and well, and you can be in it, so send them into that. And we accept recordings, and we accept pictures, and we accept whatever you've got. Even if you're an active contributor to the Discord, save your most interesting comments. Yes. For emails yeah. so that we could do yeah. them on Speedlines. Or if you said something that went down really well, send us a letter and we'll send pretend that again. we haven't heard it before. we got to divorce the two things. We can't go trolling the Discord for Speedlines entries. No, that'd be weird. <laughs> next issue, get an Eiffel. Because the next issue preview page is a bit... This is dreadful. It is an eyeball... It repeated 16 times in a grid. That's what it is. The height and width of the page. I would say it's Amy's eyeball because it's got a bit of pink at the side. I would say it's the eyeball of the roller badnik that is the pin-up next <gasps> Oh, issue. of course it is. What am I on about? Of course it is. Because it's the entry that they lead with. Yes. The di- reason it's difficult, listeners, to, to identify is because it's not the whole picture. It's like a little cut-out oval that you're peering through on just a black background. With just 16 ovals in a grid and, and just an eye, the same eye looking through. What? Why have they done this? This is a real they've got nothing. They must not have had any art ready. But it's the fact that the only other things they advertise are a new Sonic's world, no exit. Uh, a new decap attack, return of max decap. I mean, that's not true. We're in the third part no. of the decap attack story. It's not a new decap attack story. Well, it'll be new. And he has returned, but... I mean, yeah. yeah. But no mention of Sonic, no mention of Knuckles. And then one of the most notable things about the whole issue, which they just sneak away in at the bottom, is there's going to be a free Rugrats sticker album and stickers. Remember Rugrats? That'll give us something to talk about next episode, I guess. Mm. I won't have kept that. Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) 
STC number 99 on sale Wednesday the 5th of March 97 1.25 99.99 we're coming to it now and if you'd like to come to it with us you'll find that episode most places good podcasts are available not Spotify but you can also download it directly from our website at stctp.zone and you can find links to our socials there including Twitter we're at Sonic Podcast or we're there separately I'm Demon Tomato Dave I'm at Chris McFeely but wherever you find the show or however you get in contact with us please do leave a review because, you know, it helps algorithms, science, numbers, rankings, mm. all mm. that good stuff. All that stuff we don't understand. <laughs> we didn't do enough IT. <laughs> what also helps is if you actively support us directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash stctp. That allows us to keep doing this instead of going, oh, we should sack this in. We're not making any money off it. <laughs> um, and, uh, but you, we reward you for your troubles. There's a load of stuff. You're going to find loads of videos there. There's an archive of, like, what is it, three years now of, yeah. of different videos? Uh, two, two, years, two years. Two years. Two years. Two straight years now covering the first three Martin Adams novels. The yes. The UK something the Hedgehog novels. And the entirety of Dave's mm-hmm. terrible fan fiction that we were just joking about there earlier. Yes. End of Mobius. Yes. We're currently going through the fourth and final Martin Adams novel, Castle Robotnik, and the sequel to Dave's terrible fanfiction, the never-before-seen Secrets <laughs> of Mobius. Uh, those we are now doing as live streams. Yeah, Instead of pre-recording them, we're trying to save ourselves some time in editing work by just doing live streams on Thursday nights, twice a month. So uh, if you're a supporter, you can listen into those uh, through that live and interact with us and stuff. Yes, you'll get the address from that on the Patreon. So you do have to be on the Patreon. They're private streams. Mm-hmm. But once you're there, do come and chat to us as that goes on. It'll be loads of fun. That is patreon.com forward slash STCTP. Our opening theme, though, was called Synchronize. And that was by Sonic the Comic The Band, who really are a couple of real people. And they have a band really called that. And you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com where you can get the full version of that song. We're also a couple of real people who also have a podcast that's called Sonic the Comic the Podcast. And we will see you next time. What the panel is of is of the train rolling by in the background. Whoa! Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. All that happened was a speck of dust went past the camera. So as I'm looking at myself, a big thing hoved into view and I'm like, whoa! (laughs)